Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio. I'm fresh back from the Southeast Carpet Fest and all recovered and ready to go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. Um, and uh, while I was down there, I was talking to Michael Arnold, and uh, he's coming mm-hmm. on tonight. He works for Reptile Express, and uh, I thought it would be a good opportunity to get a different perspective about shipping reptiles. Uh, I know in the past we've had Ship Your Reptiles on. I'm just curious to hear, uh, you know, his approach, do's and don'ts. Uh, obviously we'll talk about, uh, you know, the Southeast carpet fest and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what, uh, what, other, whatever else Michael has going on. Apparently, yeah. uh, he wants you, there's, he, he's trying to set up for the Northeast carpet fest, some kind of battle of the podcast. So <laughs> why, why does everyone want to fight us? I don't, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. They want, they want, they want us gone. They want us gone. They want it out. It's fine. All right. God, we'll retire. Jesus. Yeah. It's, you know, (laughs) take the crown. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Right. So I guess, I don't know. Should we, yeah, let's start with Carpet Fest news. So go ahead. No, I'm saying, well, speaking of podcast people, I had Joe and Melissa over at my house checking out my collection this weekend. So, you know, there are podcast people all around us right now. It's ridiculous. Yeah. They don't want to fight us as much as the other ones do. I don't know. <laughs> they, they, may, they may be lulling us into a false sense of security to slip that I knife think, in. I don't know. I, it, I, think, I don't put it I, past them. I think you're correct. And, you know, what's going to happen yeah. is, like, in the Northeast, they're going to all, you know, then, then they're going to show their us. true colors. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, Jesus. It's, but, I, I see uh, it happening. Can't stop it. <sighs> yeah, man. Uh, this past weekend was awesome. Um, yeah. I think uh, the, uh, the tally as of, I don't know, uh, it's at 22,620. Um, wow. I, so I think when they combine the cash, the, I guess they got some donations. I think all total it was like twenty three five that they raised um, wow. for NIDO research. Um, which, by the way, they they did have a roundtable, which was uh, which was which was actually really good. Um, they had the, uh, the the guys that are there and working on um, working on you know trying to find out about NIDO and, you know, everything that they can. And, um, you know, they just talked about it and you can actually, I think, um, the Herp the Culture podcast, uh, recorded it, uh, and they have it up on YouTube. So if you didn't get to make it, you should definitely check that out. Um, it's a pretty good episode, uh, with the, with, they brought up some really good points and just ways of thinking about things and, you know, um, Okay. Yeah, it was cool. Um, I want to say they probably had like maybe 70, 80 people there. They had a wow. pretty good bit of people, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, I want to say it was at least 70 plus. Um, but That's I got great. a list of shout outs that I wanted to hit out. And um, Go for it. You know, <laughs> first, obviously, it was Ian Bissell. He did an awesome job, uh, you know. They they really you know went above and beyond in in trying to make uh, the Southeast Carpet Fest come back. Obviously Cody mm-hmm. and Pia uh, for opening up their house. Um, 
which was really cool. By the way, holy yeah. shit. Yeah, you were sending His, me pictures the entire time. Oh, it was gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, you know, it's funny. So the night before we arrived Friday, we go to this brewery. And um, yeah. when we're there, Cody was there. And, you know, we're talking and whatnot. And um, yeah. he's saying about how he has to go back. And, you know, Cody and Pia have to clean the clean the snakes and all and i'm like i'm just having flashbacks which you you yeah, can relate say, to oh, you know God. what i mean i'm like any, uh, any oh my god people can walk through my head and be like, gross they walk my snake room they'd be like well it's nice like you know no i don't give a crap what the rest of the house looks like the snake room would need to be freaking pristine like but on top of that hosting carpet fest is stressful as hell i painted my house before carpet fest it's yeah, yeah no <laughs> yeah so I can I can, I feel I felt their pain in yes. what they were trying to do, but I'm thinking like, no, dude, no. This when I went in, it wasn't until like maybe eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night that you know finally he was opening up the the place to tours and stuff, and like, yeah. dude, it was it was just on a, another level. It. That's awesome. It was like zoo quality displays. I was I was blown away, man. And to see like these mambas and shit, and like I'm just like, wow, this is just badass. There was Morlitz crocodiles, like babies Morlitz crocodiles. That, uh, it's crazy, awesome. But yeah, I got to give a shout out to them, man, because their collection was just on a on a whole nother level. Um, you know, and then there was Amanda and Dallas. Uh, you know, they did. I, you know, they were like sort of Ian's uh, right-hand crew, I guess you would say. And the two of them um, just like, you know, they just knocked it out of the park and their pulled pork was freaking amazing, but they did an awesome <laughs> job. <laughs> so uh, shout out to them. Um, obviously uh, I hung out with, um, you know, Josh Swenzel, um because me and him split a room and whatnot. So it was cool hanging out with him talking, you know, you know, we pretty much talked, reptiles and shit the whole weekend he's yeah. got the halmahera bug man he's like oh uh, dude hard he's, up for them he's been man. wrecked for those things for a while <laughs> and yeah you know josh josh i love i love the way that josh looks like he is gonna be like the biggest baddest like biker like chew you up spit you out but then he'll just be like you know, oh yeah, man, my scrubs—they're awesome. I hold them up; they're so cool. That I'm like, uh, he just wants to talk reptiles. It's great. I yeah, mean, Josh is awesome. Right? So. Yeah, he's 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 good people, man. And um, you know, there was a couple people that I, I I've talked to multiple times, but I, I never got to actually meet in person. Um, right. The guys from the Herp the Culture podcast, you know, that, that nice. was one of them, and uh, Casey Cannon. Um, so <laughs> I was telling you, we we go to this so. Saturday, we're like, what are we going to do in the morning time? Um, yeah. Trying to figure out, like, you know, I guess. So Ian's telling us in Gainesville, there used to be this reptile shop that you could go to. And next to it was an aquatic shop. And next to that was a smoke shop. And next to that was a pizza shop. So, like, me, right. me and Josh are like, <laughs> well, we're freaking starving. And, you know, we want to get some food because we got in. Oh, I don't know. Maybe we got to the place. Uh, the brewery about like nine nine thirty at night um anyway uh so we're like yeah man we'll hit that up we'll go you know check it out see what's going on and then uh go have some lunch and then head out to uh head out to the carpet fest uh, because mm. carpet fest was like maybe 40 minutes away anyway we walk into the <laughs> we walk into the pet shop 
And the guy goes, the guy that I guess he like owns the pet shop. He's like, Oh, you're the carpet Python guy. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> what the, f- like who, who paid you to yeah. say that? You know, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I guess I am. <laughs> sure. You know? Um, so we're hanging out there and we started talking to him and, you know, he was talking to us about all the goofy laws in Florida and shit and, and everything. And, um, you know, uh, and I'm thinking the whole time, like, thank God I didn't move there. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> thank God. You know, thank God I didn't move no, there. No. You need, no, you need to send me a list of all the goofy laws for Florida because I have to convince someone that Florida is not the place to live and that Pennsylvania is better. I need, I oh, need Pennsylvania bullets from my so much better. Oh, you need to I, give I me as you, many bro. bullets for my gun as I can. <laughs> you I know? got you. No worries. <laughs> you know all those big snakes that you got? Nah, can't I, have them. I, oh. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, no. Done. We're done. Now, no. Remember those olive pythons? I love. Oh no, my God! No. <laughs> Thought it was just a retic. Oh God! No, 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 no. But um, anyway, yeah, they were. You know, we were talking to them for a while and just hanging out, shooting the shit. And then um, we walked over to the aquatic shop. And what was crazy is we walk around, we see things and whatnot. And we're like, yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. And um, two things I noticed. One. Here's the difference between a reptile keeper and an aquatic keeper. So a reptile <laughs> keeper buys a ten thousand yep. dollar snake and puts it in a forty dollar <laughs> enclosure. The glass tank that they got on sale because yeah. it cracked in one corner. Yeah. Right. Forty dollar <laughs> enclosure. And then right. a an aquatic keeper gets a forty dollar fish and puts it in a ten thousand uh, dollar Oh my you know, god, dude. My, uh, my my little sister's boyfriend does aquatics out in Colorado and he does saltwater mm-hmm. and he has a massive setup and it's a huge tank. And for the last year, he didn't even keep anything in it because he had the saltwater right. And he was doing nothing but growing the coral. And now he's just finally starting to put fish in it. And she's been transferred to Denver and they have to move. So it's like, oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, Oh, shot in oh, the heart. God. It's like, Oh, oh God. man. So, yeah, so what was crazy, though, is, like, it was me, Josh, and Casey, and we're just kind of hanging in it. So they had, like, a spot where the fish were and all, and, like, the different, yeah. you know, fish tanks and all. Kind of mm-hmm. very similar to, like, Martin's Aquarium type of setup. And then in the <laughs> other room, they had, like, all the cages and shit, you know, or the tanks, I guess you would say, like, all the tanks and the stands and right. everything. So me, Casey, and Josh are just hanging out in that, that, that uh, you know, uh, the uh, tank area. Mm-hmm. God, it felt like we were there for like an hour. And then finally I was like, well, they're probably, I, I started to like, they kept walking by and looking at, so I was like, Hey guys, why don't we like go outside this door here and just hang outside the door. So we're outside yeah. of the aquatic shop in the back. And you know, the guys are like bringing in deliveries and shit and like coming through and we're just sitting there talking about snakes. And they're like, if you need help, we're here. I'm like, we're we're, no, we're, good, we're, yeah, we're talking yeah. snakes man you know <laughs> yeah. pretty soon uh you know time gets away from you when you're talking snakes um, it does trying to think who else uh of course chris from mystic reptiles um was yeah. there uh it was cool to see him uh he's a good dude and you know we we were uh chatting for a bit um and uh yeah it's just uh billy hunt uh he was there it's good yep. to meet him uh talk to him coastal carpets and all kinds of shit like that. Um, yeah, I'm sure I'm forgetting people. Oh, uh, you know, like Chuck Vogel was there. Rico's wife mm-hmm. was there. Um, you know, so 
so that was pretty cool. It's always good to talk with uh, with Chuck about his uh, Kofi Alcandros and shit. And um, you know, what's awesome. this crazy thing? This guy, his name's his name is I think his name is Clyde, right? Mm. Clyde, Clyde Clyde Klaus, something like that. Um, anyway, you know that black Condro? Have you ever seen that? Yeah, it's, like, it's like black and crazy color. Well, I always thought that guy lived in the UK, and like, <laughs> turns out he lives in Florida. So. Or he at least he's down south somewhere. But um, yeah, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at his name tag and I'm like, wait a minute, that's that guy with the crazy black chondro. So I said to him, I'm like, he's the guy with the crazy black chondro. He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh my god, that thing is amazing. So show me the parents of it. And turns yeah. out that the one parent was this blackhead kofial uh, snake, which was which was pretty badass. Uh, that was that was that's, really cool. That's awesome. Um. Howard was there. Uh, that was that I did was nice see him. To, uh, I did see him show up. He he yeah. arrives in the most mysterious places. He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. So uh, yeah, we hung out and talked with him for a while. Um, and then uh, obviously, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Borden were there, which is always a good time. So we had a little little representation of the, the little the East Coast stuff. Fest, you know, yeah. a little bit, a little bit. I'll, I'll allow um, it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, how was? Uh, I heard you got roped into running the auction. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah. Ian had asked me to do it. And, um, you know, I, at first I was kind of like, do we, I said to him, I was like, do we have a microphone or a bullhorn or something like that? And like Cody and P is on like five acres of land and everybody's kind of yeah. spread out. So it was like, Oh man, I I'm gonna be horse at the end of the night because typically it's not me that does. Yeah, the usually I'm the one who loses my goddamn voice at the end of the night. Right. Yeah, you don't care about like, your oh, okay. your voice has we to be preserved. Mine can be wrecked. Yeah, I got it. Right. So <laughs> so Michael he joins me and dude he was fucking hysterical. I never laughed so hard <laughs> in my life. Oh my god, what a witty Brit, man. Oh my god, I was laughing my ass off. He's just telling people like, you know, you're buying shit and people are just, you know, they're, you know, they're like, okay, <laughs> they're like, damn it, we're going to have to try this approach. Uh, yeah. But, why uh, not? But no, nah, it was, uh, it was a good time. So, but they, you know, they ain't, um, down South, man. They don't, they don't really, uh, um, bid like they do up here. You know what I mean? Like up here, we're like, you know, everybody's bidding shit and, uh, um, down there, they're kind of like, it was, I don't know. There was some stuff they bid on, some stuff they didn't. You know, like yeah. there was like a crocodilian penis of some sort that was. Uh, <laughs> I, dude, I almost told you, I almost told you to bid on the that gator skull for me because I'm like, I want one of those, but yeah, uh, I held off because I'm like, how's he gonna get it back? So it was like, yeah, no. So <laughs> I'll wait. Cool. Um, yeah. yeah, but I mean, I can't, I, I, I'm, there's so much shit that happened and mm-hmm. I'm sure once Michael comes on, we can, we can relive some shit, but man, it was, uh, it was a good time. It was, I'm glad, I'm glad I made the track down. It was worth it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a good time. Um, you think you're going to go next year or you think, uh, you, you think you're going to try to make next year's? Yeah. You know, it, it's, it, it, I'm going to say this, you know, when mm. we did carpet fest, you know, all those years ago, you know, many what are we, eight, eight years in now, eight years in. <laughs> so it's like, it was like, yeah. you got to hang out with people that you'd normally either a, you don't know, 
or B, you know, but you never met in person and you don't really know them like that. You don't really know them yeah. like that, I guess, you know? Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was the cool part of it, you know? I mean, we're just sitting there talking snakes, then we're talking something else, then we're back to snakes, then we're talking something else. I mean, me and Casey are, like, ooh, ooh and aahing over our trips to Australia. And, like, you know, at mm. some point, I think Scott Borden was like, shut the fuck up. We know you've been to Australia, you know? It's Thank like, you. God. <laughs> Someone finally you know, says it. Yeah. Uh. But, you know, like, I mean, I don't know. It's like, I guess uh, – I bet you if Scott went to Australia, he'd be saying the same goddamn thing. But he, you know, and so would you too, man. But you know, at least at least with Casey there, I had somebody that could like, you know, and, and where he went was different than where I went. You know, it's just right. like, oh man, you know, and we could show show the videos of Australia that you know we couldn't put up online. And All right, kind of for reasons, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, breaking laws, but um. Hey, I told you I finally got that passport stuff fixed, so you know I'm ready to go, man. Yeah, nice, awesome. Do it. Yeah, yeah we kept saying. <laughs> I kept telling everybody I was like Owen couldn't come because he has to save money for Australia. <laughs> he was not allowed to come. He cannot. I was spend not allowed any to do shit. Money. Nope. Yeah. Uh-uh. I mean, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I keep sending you pictures. I keep sending you pictures of ads for snakes that I find online that I want. That I have to now like let watch watch float by me because I got to save money for Australia. I'm just sending right. them to you now from like just <laughs> so mad. Yeah, well, you, yeah. Well, the good thing is, is like a couple of them that you sent me. Um, we you I have, have. I know it's so good. <laughs> you, you, you're like, that's good. <laughs> you're tell you're so. telling me to be patient. Yes. Me to be patient. Yes. I know I, it's hard. <laughs> yes. So uh yeah, real quick before we get um before we get Mike on here, um I just wanted to uh so three things popped out of me when I was in on my trip. One the was news. The dark, yeah. The dark Darwin, uh which reminds me so much of Poison Ivy, which is from yeah. uh by an uh, Australia Alex Life, I think his name is Life, maybe. Um but anyway, uh, he has these Darwins yeah. that, you know, that just keep like get darker and darker as they go, which is, which is just like poison Ivy, which makes me super excited about that. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it's over on pick of the week. And then uh, Tody, uh Troy Bromley, um, his hypo Darwin's or shit, dude, those. Oh my God, dude, that was so that That's so good yeah. looking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I, I've seen baby carpet pythons that kind of look like this. But they're like fresh hatched, not like they don't have any color coming in yet. Like this thing is a considerable size in his hand, and they still have like that kind of color. It's gorgeous, and it's gonna be freaking gorgeous when it gets bigger. It's nuts. Yeah, I I can't wait to see them as adults. Mm-hmm. Maybe by the time they're adults, Australia will open up its. Um, yeah, no, no, and, um, no. It's gonna be good. <laughs> it was and then one other, so uh, one other thing I saw, and this was uh, our good friend uh, Darren Whitaker's. Um, he's got those northern rainforest diamonds, and what they are basically is where the coastal carpet and the uh, the diamond pythons integrate. And the mm. name is not really the best name is like he was saying, but um, it's like carpets that you would find down by um, Coffs Harbor. 
um, that kind of thing. Um, some, I guess in Australia, they might call them Port Max carpets, but dude, whatever you are, want to call it, I don't care whatever you yeah. want to call it. I want it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like looking at it. Oh I'm like, wow, I think, God. I think I might like them better than, uh, than what do you call it? Than regular diamonds. I don't know. But, um, it, originally our trip. Yeah. Our trip mm-hmm. was supposed to be to go to see those in the wild. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But there's very, very cool snake. Uh, crazy amount of yellow on the thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, so. it reminds me a lot of some, like, really um, high blood, like, jungle diamonds or that kind of stuff because the rosettes are so huge on its back. But, I mean, like, still, that's a ton of yellow on the animal, and that's just disgustingly awesome. So, yeah, that's yeah. great. And there's a picture of the Southeast Carpet Fest, people. I just posted all that stuff in the chat. Um, yeah, I, I mean, is there anything else going on with you you want to talk about? Why I was away, well, you were sitting at home. Well, well I was sitting at home crying. Or what? <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. Well, you and I already talked that I, we haven't had an insane amount of action going on, and I'm kind of hoping with the snowstorms that we've been kind of getting to kind of get something moving. But, yeah, I've not really seen the level of action that I'm used to at this time. Of course, I say that every year, and somehow I trip into clutches. So I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm with um, you, man. It's not it's not looking looking that good this season, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I did have Joe and Melissa come by uh, Saturday. They dropped off uh, their jungle carpet because they didn't have anything for him to do. And he's in quarantine, and I have a Delia Scattershot female that would go mm. very well with him. So uh, uh-huh. he's a he's an Andrew Hare male, and she's a Delia Scattershot. So I'm going to make pretty yellow and black things, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but he's he's got to sit in quarantine for a bit. But other than that, dude, I just, uh, you know, normal snake stuff. So there cool. you go. Cool, um, cool, I cool. did say that... Um, I did. They they did talk to me about how they wanted to possibly have uh, you or I on or both of us on closer to our carpet fest. And I said you should just have Eric on, and then I'll just slowly creep into the background, and we'll see how long it takes for people to notice. <laughs> you do, you'll <laughs> do like, like a lamp shade. side shot that I always have popping up on the camera. Exactly. Like, yeah. Ooh, there you go. The camera, the camera will go black. You'll be gone, and I'll be sitting in the chair. I'll be like, I've killed Eric, and now you are interviewing me. So yeah, you know, yeah. like that. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll figure cool it out. Cool deal. <clears throat> All right, let's get Michael on here. Let's talk about we're going to be talking about tonight. Obviously, like I said before, we're going to be talking about shipping reptiles and what that all entails and Reptile Express and, and what they have to offer. And then, you know, just about Mike and what he keeps and what he what he has going on. So, uh, all right, let's click him on and let's get this going. Mm-hmm. Michael, welcome to Morelli Python Radio. How you doing, man? Good evening, gentlemen. Doing well. How about you guys? No, we're doing Excellent. all right. Are you recovered from One. the weekend or? <laughs> oh, it was a mess. It was a mess. I thought, I, I, I don't know how the arrogance came out of me. I talked like I was built like Josh Swensel. Uh, <laughs> but I'm the height of you. Right. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah I was the short hell. ones. Yeah. I was doing the auction and we were the same height. I was like, wow, this is this wow, is This awesome. is what it's like. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, everybody else is sitting down, so it wasn't too bad. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. True story. <laughs> Good. Yeah, no. 
we have to get on a high platform for Eric to see when we have our auctions. Um, you know, we have to get up above the people. Otherwise, he gets lost. I can't yeah, find that him. Way, yeah, yeah, that way you yeah. can't tell. You know. Yeah. Hey, I've already been I've already been invited to the front row by Scott Borden to make sure I heckle the living shit out of you. Well, you know, Scott <laughs> Borden likes to Scott Borden likes to think he makes decisions, and uh, you know, he does not. So, uh, but we'll see. Um, but anyway, when when we always have somebody on, especially somebody new, we always want to know what how what how did you get your start in reptiles? So, as a kid, I was always I grew up in. England, obviously. So I spent a lot of time in London at London Zoo. And as a kid, okay. I was just always obsessed with the reptile house. That was the one place I had to go every time. Now, the interesting aspect of that was I was absolutely terrified of the snake. So <laughs> it's kind of ironic, really. Uh, actually, one of my first experiences with, was actually with a carpet python that launched out of a cage. And I thought, I'm never going to touch a fucking thing like that, ever. <laughs> um, so that obviously was ironic. But I um oh, as growing up as a kid in England, I didn't have a lot of space for any animals, so I ended up doing fish. So I grew up mm-hmm. with fish, and then, which it, which then evolved into turtles. And then I met a guy through work who used to go to the ham show and spend like mm-hmm. twenty grand a time when he went there and buy wow. stupid amounts of animals. And that's where I found all the other species that I found. Oh, there's more than just turtles and fish that I can keep. And uh, I ended up keeping chameleons breeding panther chameleons that I moved here about eight years ago and it was kind of there and then on I got the fix but by you know the future is paved by failure Mm -hmm. I didn't quarantine I didn't quarantine a wild caught Mellor's chameleon very well and I killed probably half my collection of parasites Uh. yeah so I was very quick to get out of chameleons because of the delicacy of them and um, well not delicacy they probably taste good, but that's not what I meant. Um, <laughs> how delicate they are. Um, so, whoops. Um, so I got that out of them, and I ended up picking up like a ball python, and then it was figuring out from there that snakes were a much easier animal to keep. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of escalated to an obsession, which the carpet was meant to be the... I was meant to buy a chondro, and the chondro was covered in mites at the reptile show. Oh. So I, I, had, I had, right? Mm. I had done enough research into chondros that I knew that the carpet was related, and it was a little bit more of a bulletproof, semi-arboreal snake versus a green tree. So I right. was picking up a, a carpet python, which was produced by Charlotte Sims Johansson. Um, so it was a beautiful, jung- like a jungle cross sibling. Yeah. Correction. I had to say sibling. That's why I was corrected at the auction. I make sure you the correct terminology now. Right. You're not allowed to say that. It's a bad word. Yeah. 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 I, was, I, was, I said jungle coastal cross, and I was told I had to call it a sibling. So that's for the Americans yeah. for you, Owen. Well, <laughs> do, is it. Wait, do we still use sibling if a jag is involved? No. I don't. Rem- no. Okay. No, but I. I think I said it during the thing, though. I was like, no, well, it's called so a sib. so ingrained in our vocabulary. <laughs> so like, hey, it wasn't just you. Everybody corrected me. No. Oh, God. I was like, okay, I'll go by the rules. <laughs> but what was meant to be, obviously, a segue into Condros, but right. it was a cheap, affordable carpet python, was a big fucking lie. So... It turns out there's a lot of morphs and 
locality stuff that's a lot more expensive and got mm-hmm. So that was complete bullshit. Okay, so but that's where I'm at now. <laughs> okay, but what what <laughs> I, I know I know the I know the easy of that you know the, the snake you really originally wanted was covered in mites and this was an alternative alternative but what drew you to the carpet as opposed to like any other snake at that thing and where'd you uh where did you what was the show that you went to where you got this? i was in a, i was in atlanta which is where i'm okay. based out of it was a local show so okay i hadn't i had i wasn't exposed to i was never going to spend that kind of money to go to ham germany when i lived in the uk and right. uh, when i was here i wasn't going to fly up to tinley or daytona because i wasn't exposed to it so i didn't really know about them at the right. time, so I had the local show was my option. You know, maybe like Hamburg for you when you started out. I'm not sure, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <you know>. kind of <laughs> sounds about right. But uh, what what drew you to the carpet? Was it just the color of the jungle, or the you know what was it? Well, it was the, obviously the chondros with the green was what attracted me. I mean, this right. was an ugly little brown noodle, <laughs> a little delicate. You know, this right. wasn't a pretty animal as such as a baby as a neonate, but it was. I didn't want. I could never manage anything like a retic or a burn. Mm. You know, I'm that's not me. I'm not. Well, I'm the same height as Eric. I can't manage. It <laughs> you know, so I just. I didn't. I didn't figure that out though. I just, you know. Well, no, no. You, you, you that's the thing is like Eric's like you know Eric does that joke every once in a while too, and I'm like, you have African rocks. You need to get your shit together. It's like, you know, <laughs> you're, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. yeah, see, I, I definitely thought that process. So okay. I, didn't wanna, I didn't want to risk that at all. And then I realized, you know, the carpets, and they're only going to be, you know, depending on heavy your feet, mm-hmm. six foot, seven foot, you know, depending on how hard you go. And I'm a, I'm a super slow grower. Um, right. You'd be disappointed in the size of my animals in comparison <laughs> to like, I started at the same time as Casey and Casey uh, with the bread line and I got my yeah. stuff and his stuff is adults, his stuff is breeding and I'm still growing up. Right. I'm, like, I'm just taking my time, <laughs> going it's along. Not a race, along. you know. No, that's me too, man. You know. Dude, that was the funny part is when Joe and Melissa came here on Saturday, they're looking at all my carpets and they're like, to be honest, we're a little underwhelmed. We thought they'd be bigger. I'm like, well, yeah, this is the stuff after I learned my lesson. Like, you know, <laughs> the big guys are over here. <laughs> like, you know, it's, the big you guys know? are all dead. You know, no, like, the big guys have all died, and there's a few <laughs> left. But like, you know, yeah. the little ones are here for a reason still. You know, yeah. it's like Jesus. But That's you know, fun. yeah, we're underwhelmed. <laughs> That's what your collection said. underwhelms me, Owen. It's just like uh... I, was a, I was a smidgen heartbroken after that. Yeah. I like, you know, knew I should have kept bigger carpets, but no, it's the slow grow. The slow grow, in my opinion, is the way to go because then you have the animal for like twenty years. It's like it's better that way. So. Yeah. Right. When I actually when I read when I read uh, well Gary Ballard put in, I think it was in the carpet book that Nick wrote. When he was yeah. saying about there's breeding the diamonds at like 23, 24 years old. Yeah. You know, I was yeah. so used to dealing with like the Panthers where it's like seven, eight years. So I was like, you know, I'm going to make this work. And But everything uh, here gets raised to a diamond level, like how much they eat <laughs> until they get to adults. So even the regular carpets are always hungry here. Of course. No one the... misses a meal, so I can't complain. <laughs> That's that's the best part, you know. When you when you sparingly feed, you never have you never have that. Well, five have refused rats. No, everybody takes. 
But um, have have you learned anything from? Because chameleons are such a huge step away from Morelia. Have you taken anything that you learned while doing chameleons? Because I would never even look at a chameleon for fear of killing it by like staring at it. Like you know, what have you learned from chameleons that you have now used in snakes? I mean, or anything. Well, one of the key things that, especially if it's you're, especially if you're a beginner with the hobbyist mm-hmm. and stuff, the chameleons. The best thing about the chameleons is the first thing that you need to learn quickly is you touch very rarely. Okay. And t- and typically, the less you mess with stuff, the better it does. So there's okay. one of those parts is aspect, and then also you just turn. The chameleons are so interactive with the environment, and when you come near the enclosure, of how they react to you, you mm-hmm. kind of start to read animals a little better because they're such a stress like they have a very low tolerance of stress that you're you're a lot more calmer I guess how you react to them okay especially when carpets are launching out at you when it's dinner when you know in its feet so you know as opposed to I mean we were when we were at Steve Tillis's place on Friday when he had the blood I couldn't help but jump with them but with the carpets I'm a little bit more relaxed right and it's just it seems the calmer you are, the, the less likely you're going to get bit, as it seems right now. I can say that because I have only been bit twice <laughs> in the last five years. So <laughs> at the minute it's working. If you try and I'm wrong, I'm sorry for the bullshit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'll take that one. Um, so what does your collection look like now as it sits? So right now it's all constrictors. Okay. I have, I say it's a moderate size collection. I've got about 38 to 40 animals. And predominantly it's all Morelia based. I do have mm-hmm. a couple other species. I still have the ball pythons. So I have a couple pairs of them. I, I picked up a pair of Womans this year. And, nice. Um, and a pair of Doom Rules boas because that's my favorite boa. And I've always liked them. Yeah. So I got, I got them. And then the rest of it's all Morelia based. I've got a lot of the mutt stuff, so you know I got nice. the binos, the exantics, <laughs> the granite. I got some nice coastals. I picked okay. up a really nice red coastal from Balin at Tinley last year. Yeah. So, and then I got diamonds. So, and nice. inland, I picked up inlands. Oh, as soon as I left Northeast Carpet Fair, I ordered inlands from Nick that week. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Eric? Did you see yeah, Eric's Inlands and that's said. what did it? <laughs> yeah, I said to him, I said, I've always wanted Inlands. Don't show me yours. And the first <laughs> thing that was put in my hand was a pair of Inland pythons. And I was like, oh, that was your fault. I, that was your fault. <laughs> I, mean, come I on. literally walked outside and found Nick. And I was like, Nick, have you got any Inlands available right now? Yeah. <laughs> I, was just doing, oh, great. I didn't come to buy animals. But, you know. Gotcha. Crap. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> That's but they've awesome. been a bucket list, so I was okay with that, you know? Yeah. So. I could see that. The hard check. Right. And then also, I got, uh, I got a trio of um, Chondros, too. So I got a pair of Yayapura locality GTPs, and I got an Aru female as well that I'm growing up. So Nice. Cool. So well, I didn't want when to, are you... I didn't want to be up. <laughs> so I was very specific <laughs> no, about locality. No, no be up? No, no be up. After the mic incident with the with the first time round, I was like, "No, I'm going to see if I can get something that's been in the <laughs> just, been in the state a little longer, a little cleaner." Right. 
just call it there. Yeah. So how did you get hooked up with Reptiles Express? So it was actually the owners of Reptiles Express own another company too, or two companies called Premium Crickets and Georgia Crickets. Okay. And so I used to, when I got, when I was doing the Panther Chameleon, I used to buy my crickets from Georgia Crickets. So I would, okay. I would go there because they were local to me. They were a cricket farm local to me. They were like 30, 40 minutes away from where I lived. So I used to just go down there and pick them up. Well, the owner is actually English as well. So we obviously just got on like a house and fire kind of thing. So I started helping them at the reptile shows, and I was so sick of what I was doing, like my nine to five. And they were like, why don't you just come on? And it just evolved from selling cricket, which I still do to this day because I, I run that company now. And I run Reptile Express. It kind of just evolved into doing Reptile Express. Okay. So it's weird. I, I ended up working for a feeder company that did insects, and I got rid of every lizard, and I went into snakes. So the one time I could have got like, <laughs> actually fucking free in my life, I got rid of it. <laughs> oh, wow. So, right. Okay. It wasn't the smartest move in hindsight, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> okay. So, but, uh, yeah. So I've been doing that for now. I've been with the company about five years, but I really I only took over Reptile Express probably last year, probably around okay. March time. So I've been doing this about a year, Reptile Express. I was doing the um, – because we have a sister company in Canada called Reptile Runner. Okay. Based out of Toronto. So I used to do a lot of the, the non-sidings paperwork to, like, send animals up there and do, like, the sidings animals too. So that was my aspect from Reptile Express before I actually went on for the domestic shipments, which is 100 times easier. <laughs> I imagine less diff- paperwork. Is it difficult to ship to Canada? Is that difficult it's to not, do? It, it, it's fifty-fifty. So mm-hmm. the biggest issue you have is obviously fish and wildlife. And I mean, if you're doing, let's just say, a ball python, the fish and wildlife fee is it's like a hundred dollars for the CITES paperwork, and then it's three hundred dollars uh-huh. for the inspection. So you're at four hundred dollars before you even leave the states. Oh, it better be worth it. Yeah. So if you're sending one ball, but the difference is it could be one ball python, it could be a hundred, and it's still that four hundred bucks. So if you do a yeah, large right. ball, it's not, it's not, it's quite cost effective. Once you finally get that paperwork, we ship it through FedEx to our Toronto office, and then well from Reptile Runner, and then Reptile Runner disperses it out to to the customers. So it's like a two day slash three day because you obviously if you were sending say carpets up to Canada, you would send them to me. I would take them to Fish and Wildlife. And then I would ship them out to Toronto and then from Toronto to your customer. Now, we hmm. won't do it back-to-back days. Like, I have rack systems at work that are just specifically, you know, designated just to any animals that come in. So they don't touch my animals. They don't go near any animals. I have no animals at work other than, obviously, there's a cricket farm built off my office. So, hmm. but other than that, they stay in those racks. And then the, they're not, I normally get them on a Thursday take them on the Monday so then they're in Canada by the Tuesday. Okay. So it stops wow. them from getting so stressed out being, you know, three days in transit is a lot of time consecutively. Yeah. Specifically getting them in, having them over the weekend where they're on heat and they have water. And if you're doing lizards, you know, obviously I've got all the insects there. We won't feed the snakes, obviously. But we'll feed the, we'll feed the lizards over the weekend and then Monday they'll be on their merry way. So. Huh. Okay. But Australian species are a nightmare. <laughs> no, that's basically what we all do, but they are a nightmare. So I was actually accused of smuggling at one point. Really? Yeah. Yeah, a pair of knobtail geckos. 
Oh, why, why why did that get yeah. you flagged? Is it because of that whole um, uh, thing we were talking about with Don Patterson about that uh, uh, ruling or whatever oh, like, that is now? Yeah. Yeah, so the ruling that came out, I actually spoke to Don about it as well. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, the ruling came out, but the problem was the Nocktails, they were non-sidey, so they were never okay. part of a trade agreement. So there was no paperwork that ever said they legally came in. And because of my accent, one of the guys just assumed I was from Australia. It was like, you brought them over. It was like, hold on a fucking second. I've never been. (laughs) There's there's no Australian here. This is English, 100%. And you don't want our animals. They're shit. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But, so that never worked. Obviously, we we had to cancel that shipment. But we've had success with other animals. I've done, Mm. I've brought, I have brought skinks in before. From Canada, actual Australian things, not not just the Indo stuff. But okay. they were brought up after after the ruling. They were brought up saying you did bring these in, and you're not going to be able to do it again. So Jeez. they're watching it right now. Yeah, I know Phil and US Ark are really working on it to try and get that ironed out. But mm-hmm. I think what happened: Australia released a list of everything that had legally came into this country, and I think one of the few things on there which is random was like shingle banks. <laughs> So, really? Yeah, but so, yeah, cause, yeah, but yeah, because they're so common in the trade, right? Yeah, but who the hell? Yeah. Exactly, who the hell's got shinglebacks to send across borders? It's like, God right. damn it! <laughs> I know one person. <laughs> That's it. Right, and they hold everything back. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Oh god. <laughs> right. Huh. But well, that's interesting. But if it's but if it's crested geckos or anything like leopard geckos, I get a lot of leopards and a lot of crested. Yeah. Want to uh-huh. go back and forth with the U.S. and Canada, and they're pretty straightforward. They have they don't have the hundred dollar paperwork, which does take three months, my I add. And um, and then they literally have like a two hundred dollar inspection fee. So there's that and then it's the shipping and that's it. So it's actually not too bad when it comes to international shipping. But I'm working huh. on Europe and the UK and, and stuff like that, but you have to be a broker and it just gets a very, very complicated. So it's, it's probably going to be a couple of years down the line before I do that. And they won't let me, they won't let me personally clear the shipment because I can't be a broker because I'm not a citizen. Because I am not American, they won't let me do it. So, oh, Jesus. Wow. Pretty racist if I tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 wow. That's crazy. That's insane. <laughs> Like you have to be but an American to inspect a shipment in America. Like what the? Fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah for me to clear customs and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but you know, it's a good thing to work. It's, you know, it's a goal to work for, and it'd be pretty cool to help. You know, bring different species in. Sure. You know, and hopefully get to go to ham to do it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Now I can appreciate it. I'm at the level yeah. now to appreciate that kind of show. Whereas when I lived in the Very UK, cool. I would have been like, "This, this is a long way to go to see this." <laughs> but, you know, now I've been in it long enough. I can kind of appreciate different things. So, yeah, yeah, you get a whole new perspective of uh, and things that you saw when you were younger. You know, you 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 forget about, and then you're like, shit, I I actually saw that when I was younger, and I was not paying attention to it. Like I, you know, I think of that with right. the. Uh, Oh, and when we went to, well, yep. I don't know if you went to, but the NARBC show when it was in uh, Philly. Years you know, there's ago. There's so much shit there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. You know? Dude, like, I remember 
going to a Hamburg and the dude was selling uh, ring python babies for cheap as hell. And I'm like, they're yeah. cool. They're orange. And I walked away. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> Yeah. Now I'm like you should have bought the whole table. <laughs> it's like yeah, <laughs> like a hundred bucks a piece. Idiot. Yeah, uh, that was a long time waiting though. By the time they got the price up though. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I I could or I or I'd have a sitting on a ton of freaking ring pythons right now. Either way. Right. But all right. Well, let's get into a little right. bit about maybe you can give us some tips and stuff on shipping. I guess like you know. Um, well, Make it know, less terrifying. Yeah, it is terrifying. Yeah, because it's sort of like that thing where, you know, you're like, okay, I'm shipping it out, and you you're like on edge when you when you ship it out, and then you're on edge when you're waiting for the, <laughs> the delivery notification, and then of course you know the the seller doesn't or the buyer doesn't contact you till like seven hours later, and I hate you know, that. that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> just just tell me it got there alive, like all right. I want. <laughs> Right, no, no, I get it. We, I, I literally get the same phone call every day, <laughs> so I completely <laughs> understand what you're saying there. Right. But <sighs> the most, really, the most important thing is just is apart from the packing material, which obviously we can discuss, is it's the proper planning. Right. So when you create that label, there's like a six-digit code on that on that actual label. This is from FedEx. This isn't from me. This is from anybody. You get a FedEx label. There is a six-digit code just above the barcode. There's the second barcode. Right. And it literally, the first letter indicates, or the first digit, I should say, indicates where that package is going through 98% of the time. Okay. So, okay. Well, if you have, so there's, uh, how many options is there? There's like seven different options. But there's two that you're mostly going to see is going to be a beginning with an X or an N. An X is Memphis and N is Indianapolis. Okay. So, planning the temperature of where you're when you're shipping, this is key to where you need to know. So, like last week, Memphis was good on temperatures, but Indianapolis was ice. It was cold shit. You know, right. if you had a temperature sensitive animal, you were you were playing with fire. Basically, ironically, when I say that, is ice. Right. But the most important part is knowing where it's going through. So even like for you guys up in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. might come up a lot for you shipping because it's, it's Newark, New Jersey. So if you're going right. to New York, it might not even touch Memphis or Indianapolis. It might go straight through New Jersey. So you'll have all those temperatures right there in your gradient. And it will let you know, you know what to experience, what your animal's going to experience in those temps. So, and then with that being said, you can also check the weather. And I don't know how many times you can scream it, but when there's snow, there is delays. Duh, for sure. That yeah, yeah that I, seems like a no-brainer. Right, but a lot of people think they can. If the snow's coming in that evening, they think they can beat it. That's what. <laughs> so, but but why take the chance? I I honestly couldn't answer that. I scratched my head of it. Now yeah. we've got a lot of people that are really good. They're awesome. Like I'll have people call me and they'll be like, Right, this is going through this is going through Memphis, which means it's gonna go through this hub and it's gonna be this time. What time is it gonna be here if it goes through correct? And it's awesome. So there's people out there that do their real big due diligence and there's those that not so much. But gotcha. a lot of times I find as well, even delayed packages, some packages that you know, there's a mechanical delay or 
something's happened where the plane can't get there in time and it takes two days to get the baggage there, 95% uh-huh. of the time, the animal is fine. It's very, very rare that you get a sick animal in if the animal's not sick to already begin with. Right. Now, if it's in Indianapolis, the cool thing about Indianapolis is they can actually pull the animal in and they put it in the trace department. So your package literally sits on someone's desk until it goes onto another flight. Oh, no shit. So it doesn't sit. Yeah. So it doesn't sit in, it doesn't sit outside, it doesn't sit on a runway. But if it is containerized, after what happened back with 9-11, every, all the logistics, the IATA Association, all those containers uh-huh. are, bomb, are so well insulated and bomb-proof that you mean, those, they're, they're, they're not going to be completely exposed to the cold. Right. And if you're using the right materials, your animals aren't going to freeze, even if they're in those containers, depending on the fact as long as you pack them right. Because they're so well insulated inside, it's literally bomb-proof. <laughs> if you put something in there and it blew up, that container will not touch anything else. Okay. So it's oh, a little cool. bit more of a peace of mind. It's a peace of mind thing that you need to know sometimes mm. that, you know, your animal's in safe hands. I mean, I've messed up before, and I've, I've personally put the wrong address on my own shipping label, which I couldn't believe I did. Hmm. I put the work, I put the work, I put, there, right? I, I work for a living doing it, and I put, I put the street address of my, of my home, and I put my zip code of my work. So, oh. And I was like, Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I had to like, I had to pull every, you know, string I could possibly could, and actually managed to get it picked up at like eight, nine o'clock that night at a FedEx ship center that was open late. Jesus. That was local, and I was worried. You know, it'd been on a truck all day. It was, it, this was like last winter, so it was a jungle carpet. And I was thinking, oh, no. the one time I got like a warmer carpet. I'm not doing the diamonds or anything like that, you know. And I got to find it, and the animal was completely fine. It wasn't. The heat pack was still warm. Yeah. So, um, you know. would you would you recommend then? Because I always I used to do seventy two hour heat packs, but I backed it down to the um, forty hour heat pack just to want to have more of a padding just in case an animal is delayed or lost. Would you recommend that? So I on I honestly use the forty hours. So the the forty hour, the sixty hour, and the seventy two hour are the only ones that are even worth looking at. The twenty right. hour and thirty hour are, are shit. And especially the hand warmers and things like that, they're just a waste of time. Now, I use a 40-hour because with a 40-hour, you've still got that heat pack still going to work for the majority of the time, even if it's delayed by a day. Because mm. by that time that extra days come around, it's on a vehicle waiting to be delivered to you. So, but the 72 hours is going to give you the most consistency of temperature across the board, but it's going to be lower than the 40-hour. Okay. Wow. So it, its peak temperature is a little lower, but it's more consistent across the board. Mm. But I've never personally had an issue with 40 hours. 40 hours is yeah. what I use, and that is, and that is our number one seller. That's the number yeah. one use heat pack is a 40-hour. Gotcha. Plus also the 40 hours is significantly cheaper than the longer hour ones. So yeah. there's also that that plays in it too. You know, there's a fine line with that. But honestly, yeah. with the best, with all the heat packs, until it gets really cold, I actually prefer to use cryo packs in general. Okay. They are uh, it, they're typically known as a cold pack. Right. But what they're actually designed for is the medical industry where they try to keep the temper, the temperature 
at about 75 degrees. Okay. okay. If it if it gets if it gets hot, it works like a cold pack. If it gets cold, it kind of well it works like a warm pack. It's really? not a lot of the frog. Yeah, like, it's like it's a lot of the amphibian guys use them, and they swear by them. Hmm. So and like you, you don't heat it up. It's, it. it just no. goes by the so temperature can, outside. Yeah, temperature inside the box, really. Yeah. Okay. But you've got but the, obviously the outside indicates that too. So like well, a lot of times what we'll do with them is if I'm going to use if I need it to be on the cold side, I just stick it in the fridge, and it it's a gel inside his pan that right. it solidifies when it's cold, and when it's warm it melts. So it's really okay. it's pretty it's a very neat piece of gear I guess you would say, right. and they're reusable. <clears throat> so as long as you don't pierce a hole in it. And trust me, you never want to pierce a hole in it because even when they fragrance it, the smell is awful. Uh, <laughs> they just, it really is. <laughs> trust me there. It doesn't come off your hands either. But it will it last. It will last as long as you need it to last. And I've, I've seen people reuse them and recirculate them tons of times. Never had an issue with them. So is that like one of those things? The kind of heat. Like, would you use that maybe more towards like like the spring or fall, like that kind of deal, like where it might be warmer during the day but cool at night? Yeah, realistically, from spring until fall is when I use a cryovac. Okay. It's only in the winter time I would use a heat vac. Depending, again, probably a, a key prefix I should do to this, and if I could show quotation marks, I would. It depends on the species that you're shipping. Of course, yeah. So yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot of times it all gets tarred with the same brush, you know. At, at certain degrees, so like always, like you know, between when it's up below fifty at night, forty at night, you sh- you should throw a heat pack in it. Right. So certain animals kind of do well at that temperature versus, you know, if it was a um, it was fifty degrees at night and you put a heat pack in there and you crank it up to eighty, ninety degrees. And you've got dark bulbs in there. So you have to really kind of play. There's a very very fine gray line when it comes to the species, depending on how you ship it. And what's best for the animal. Which is typically what every time, whenever I talk to someone when they ask to ship something, it's always, what are you trying to ship? Which is one of the reasons why I like, obviously, carpet pythons, especially when you've got things like bread line. (laughs) You know, how should I ship this bread line? It doesn't matter. Whatever you want to (laughs) do. Envelope, yeah. get it out. It's gone. It's good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, would you? <laughs> would you ever say not to use a heat pack? Would there ever be a time where you wouldn't use anything at all? August. Well, it, yeah. Oh, yeah. When um, you mean like no use, no cold packs or nothing? Uh, yeah. yeah, definitely. You would in the spring and in, and even in the fall, you can do that too. It really depends again, like what the state you're going to. So, right. Obviously, when we were down. In Florida on Friday, before you got, before you came in, Eric, it was eighty uh-huh. something degrees when we were down at Eugene Bassett. Right. It was, you know, it was crazy hot, you know. And but when I got back to Atlanta on Sunday morning at like eleven thirty, it was thirty seven degrees. Yeah. You know, I'm only fifty yeah, was... minutes flight. That's a big swing. It's a big swing in temperature. So I mean, like in circumstances like that, you would, I would have to. I mean, at this position, I would use a cryopack just, you know, to make sure it gets out of Atlanta slash Memphis until it got into Florida. 
But there's certain places that it's just too risky to use a heat pack. But that's where those cryo packs come in really handy too. Now, with, right. you know, 70 degrees in the day, 50, 60 degrees at night, or even 80 degrees in the day and 50 degrees at night, I wouldn't necessarily worry about a heat pack or a cryo pack. I just use them because it's peace of mind for me. And, right. you know, what, and I think the cryo pack, a, a typical retail value on a cryo pack is like four bucks. I mean, and what's right. the, you know, we, I know these animals are a passion, but they all have dollar amounts when you're shipping them. You know, so what's, to me, what's $4 for a piece of mind right. aspect? Yeah, sure. You know. What about as what about as far as like the size of the box? Now, let's just say for sake of this discussion right now, we're just going to be talking like say something like a baby python. Like what what size box would you would you recommend for something like that? Depending on temperatures, I use mm-hmm. seven by seven by seven. Yep, that's okay. exactly right. what I use too. And I think I think I think Super Reptile has a seven seven six. We carry the seven seven seven. It gives that one inch inch, which lets you fit an extra deli cup in it, but you're just missing that little bit of height. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. I hate that. Because yeah, I'm like, through. I can't stack them up, and I'm like, oh, yeah, damn it. <laughs> I'm buying so seven, boxes seven, somewhere seven. else now. But, yeah. and, you're, <laughs> and you're saying that that's, you know, that's contingent on the temperatures. What would that be? Like cooler temperatures? You use that kind of box? So... You have to be with the set. So the smaller you go on the box, the more reactive the heat pack is going to be in temperature. Right. Okay. So if you're using, if you if you wanted to use a heat pack in that box with the snake, I would honestly up the size to probably the other two. Like the numbers, the top three boxes that people use are the seven by seven, the nine by nine by nine, or the twelve nine six. Right. By using the twelve nine six on the nine by nine, it gives it a little bit more opportunity for the air to not be so focused on that space on that animal. Now, uh-huh. if you're using, and I, I know I'm, I'm like screaming to the moon about cryopack. The seven by seven, the cryopack is fine, like you won't cook the animal because it doesn't get that hot. But the heat pack, if you've got it in there in that little small space and it's quite a temperature sensitive mm. thing, then you have to be quite careful. I would honestly just skip. If you were shipping in the like, very cold weather, I would go to like the twelve nine six or the nine by nine, where it just gives space to get away from the animal, so you've got a little bit more of a gap. For the okay. Airflow, so it's not so close to it. It's just like um, you don't have radiators here. Shit. It's like you stand in mixer event. You have AC here. I just realised I was about to use an English. Right. That's not going to help me at all. <laughs> uh, if you if you go stand by the vent, you know, closer you are to the vent, the hotter the air. Exactly the same theory. You know, you're a little further right. away, it's going to let that, just that, that little bracket, that little space of air that's going to let it cool down just a little bit more and keep it a little bit more comfortable for the animal, I would say. Gotcha. Okay. Mm. You know. Now, and then also, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. You know, and I was going to say, you also got to keep in mind, if you're using a deli cup versus a bag. Yeah. You have to be very careful if you're, you know, if you've got that heat pack, and you should always stick the heat pack. I always recommend sticking the heat pack to the inside, but to the top of the styrofoam. To the top. With the red line face, yeah, to the top with the red line facing down. Where the heat rises, so by having all the heat at the top, obviously the heat is going to drop a little bit because it's a small box, but that stops the heat from consistently going through past the animal. Okay. Right. Hmm. 
So when you vent it, obviously some of the hot air will go out. And fresh air will go in once you, you know, poke holes in your box, which I'm sure you're probably going to ask me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was the yeah. next one. <laughs> no. I usually tape the heat pack to the side with uh, two holes right behind it so that it can vent out. That would work. That, that, then I mean, that's the wrong. side works too. The only thing you have to be careful with the side is with uh, yeah. you, you tape it to the side. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Paper. I, I pull the whole styrofoam wall out and tape it to that so that it can't move at all. So. Perfect, yeah. A lot yeah. of times people get a little too comfortable where the heat pack is, and they'll be amazed mm. at how much you can shit in a transit. Yeah. The only thing yeah. I would have done different than what you did with doing it on the side is I probably would have put a, another hole that was just a little off from the heat pack. Okay. But just so it can... So, And I actually learned this from doing the cricket aspect. Okay. So when, we, when you raise crickets, one of the key things that a lot of people miss is the airflow. So by you having it on that one side, the air area can only go in can't necessarily go out at the same time. It's oh, uh, one or the other. Oh, there's there's other holes in the box. There's just two okay. behind the heat pack. Yeah. So okay, then yeah, then that's perfect. Yeah. I would do the same thing. I typically cool. don't do more than four holes. Yeah, personally. no. Yeah. I feel like I'm trying to push so, the box after that. So, <laughs> what, I, I mean, you guys yeah. are putting holes in it, but aren't you compromising the integrity of the insulation? Of the uh, like, They're not huge holes. I mean, they're not talking well, like... I know that. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Eric's like, I don't know what's wrong. I punched the, you know, three-inch hole in my box, and nothing's working. Right. <laughs> yeah. Somehow it doesn't seem to be cooperating. It's not all right. The snake got out. I think, <laughs> so, I think I should have made it smaller than the deli cup that I put the snake in. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> weird. Damn it. Well, it's like a little window for the animals to see out while it's traveling. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, wants to say, it. <laughs> it wants to see the FedEx shipping line. Yeah, you know. Yeah. See the FedEx guy kicking. Yeah. Let it have an environment. So, yeah, I've heard, I mean, I've heard people say that the, the, the heat doesn't, you know, doesn't act the way you want it to act if there's no holes. And I've also heard people say that, you know, I don't personally. I don't put holes in the box, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm well, right or wrong. Well, one of the key things that a lot of people panic when it comes to anything anything living in a box with no holes is, and <laughs> depending on the animal too. So, like insects are a little different as are you know reptiles and amphibians compared to like mammalians and stuff. When you put your rats in a box when you're leaving somewhere, if that box is corrugated. So there's air pockets all through that box. And also, the foam is in six pieces. So although that foam sits tight, it's not airtight. Right. Right. So there is there is enough to go in there. And, you're, you know, there's enough air in there that the animal is not going to suffocate it in that box with the heat pack in there or anything like that. I mean, maybe if it stays in that box for like a week. But, I mean, if you... I mean, if you kept the animal in the box, you're a pretty shitty person. Yeah, so, thank you. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, you know, you shouldn't really have that issue when it comes to that kind of thing. I've done, I have actually shipped with holes and without holes, and I've never had an issue with either of them. Mm. I just, I think it's just from the background of doing the crickets that having that little extra hole just put a little, little vent the air out a little bit right. makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. But again, it's personal preference. There's been people that have been shipping these things from, 
you know, we're far inferior products back in the day before, you know, cigarettes or public spreads were around, anyone like that. You know, and they were doing right. it the old school way. You know, these things were in wooden crates with two-inch nails boarded in with a couple of holes. You know, and they were making it fine. They were going to those, you know, in the old airplane, in the cargo area. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, these animals are pretty tough. I think the most important thing is just to make sure that animal's safe inside. Those holes are just going to be either a piece of mind for that person, whether they want them on there or not. I always used to thought, I always used to think, before I did this a bit more often, was no holes in the winter, holes in the summer. Well, the idea is my holes are in the winter time is actually because it lets vent out the hot air just the same as when I poke it in the summer. The hot air can vent out. So, because obviously I'm going to put heat packs in there in the winter where it can generate the heat, whereas the summer it's, you know, 100 degrees here in Georgia. So you have to be careful. Right. I don't, I don't typically ship when it's 100 degrees. I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I was going to ask, what for you, what would you recommend as, like, the highs and lows of what to, to not the ship or where the sweet spot is for to ship? Yeah. So, species dependent, again, but obviously we're mainly talking about carpets and diamonds and stuff like that, Morelia, is I've never had an issue when the lows are, like, 40 degrees. You know, I, right. I, I cool my diamonds down into the 40s in the wintertime, and they do completely fine. They want to eat. So for me, it's a comfortable chipping parameter at 40 degrees. And I try to not go above 90 to 92 degrees. That's my kind of window for my carpet and pythons for that general matter. Whereas if it was like a crispy gecko for that matter, I'd probably do between 50 and like 75, 80. If I was not, if I wanted to not think about it as much. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. If I wanted, because I mean, you can ship it when it's freezing cold. There is people that ship when it's snow on the ground, and you know they don't have a problem, but they have to meticulously think about it. And for me, it's just I'm like, no, nah, it's not worth it right now. I'm not. I don't because I'm not obviously. I'm sure I would have a completely different story if I relied on selling my animals for a living. Mm. I would probably have a much more detailed landscape of. You know, this is my temperature. This is how I would do it. I have a, obviously I can I can shorten my window myself because I do it for a hobby. But obviously I live off people shipping their animals, so I try to keep it as broad as I can and at the same time as narrow as I can, because it just keeps it. You know, the animal is the number one priority no matter what. Whether someone gave you a hundred thousand dollars or ten dollars for the animal, the animal right. is like it's a priority. You know. I, you raise the animal from egg, you don't want to see the animal die. Even if you're a flipper, you know, you're a flip, you buy animals wholesale and you sell those animals wholesale, that animal dies, you don't get paid. So you have to keep right, that in right. mind too. You know, so you just have to be careful with those temperature gradients. I honestly, like a safe rule of thumb for most things is if it's below 40 degrees, you wait. If it's between yeah. like 40 and 60 degrees, is your, you know, your highs and your lows, you want to do a heat pack between, you know, when it's 70 degree high plus, the cryo pack. When it's over like 90, very few species are going to do great and not above 90. Maybe like your sand bowers. And then okay. things, anything over that's just too dangerous to ship. You're, you're playing with fire because the problem is, is if there's a delay and no matter how many times you've shipped, you may have had a 100% success rate, there is one day where you're going to get a delayed shipment. Yeah. Right. 
And after the uh, down, and then the safety of that is going to be based down to the quality of the health of the animal and how you packed it. Right. So. Would you recommend having the animals sent to a hub over delivered to your residence or workplace? That really depends. So right. I actually had someone the other day that insisted that shipping to this customer was a ship center, but the issue was that the person closest ship center was over 100 miles away. Damn. <laughs> yeah, right? They live, in the mar- they live in the middle of nowhere. So ship right. center is always going to be a good way to do because they typically get there early in the morning. And once they get there in the morning, they go inside that ship center for waiting to be picked up. That is mm-hmm. the safest way to go. The only issue, the only, um, the only issue with sending it to a FedEx ship center, and it's amazing how often this happens, is they'll send it to a ship center, but it'll be under a different name. So, hypothetically, Eric, you order a you order a snake, and it gets shipped to your local ship center, but oh, and you go pick it up. Well, oh. they you pick that up. Right. It becomes a whole. And depending on who you talk to at FedEx. Sometimes that's not a problem, and sometimes it's a big problem. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so because a lot pick of up your own damn snake. Yeah. <laughs> or if you get it, if you don't get it to the ship center, get it to wherever you're going to be. Yeah. There is so many times where, you know, if you buy if you bought an animal, you're expecting that package. You know what time it should be there by. You're there waiting. The amount of times they're not available. The customer is not at home. I just popped out because I didn't think it was going to be here yet. If that's the case, send it to your work. If you're right. at, if your work can if work you can accept your animals, send it to work. But I never understood that because don't you have the damn tracking number? Like, don't give me that. Like, oh, I didn't know it's coming. What? You know, <laughs> I bought snakes. I don't leave till it gets here. You know, it's I don't. Ugh, whatever. Well, one of the things we're working on, which is it's going to be, it's down the line, it's down the pipeline. I haven't got any set times on it, but one of the issues that you have at FedEx is, and uh, we can brush on those time zones too, is yeah. the priority overnight package is not always 10.30 in the morning. Thank you. So depending, yes. on, depending on where you are, it could be 10.30 in the morning, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, or 4.30 in the afternoon. It really yep. depends on where you are. Because if you're at 10.30 in the morning, but they've got 100 other packages at 10.30 in the morning, and you're 100 miles outside of town, that's why they end up putting yours right back to the end. But the, it says on the label, right near where that code is for the, the hubs, yeah. it says on there what time it's committed to. So you know when you print that label out, you know that customer's got to be there till 4.30. And it might be there at 10 in the morning, it might, but they've got... FedEx are committed to that time of why they can ship, they can arrive at that time. Right. But I can't think of why I brought that up. No, no, so, it's actually it's a good thing to know because I've had, I've had customers who have been, I've had times where FedEx has said that it arrived at two o'clock, but it's still on time. And I'm like, but I paid for it to arrive at 1030. And they're like, yes, but the window tells us that, you know, we still made it. I'm like, you and I have very different ideas of making it. And that didn't go anywhere, but now I know why. So, and it would be nice to know to give the customer a heads up to saying, Hey, you know, you live in the boonies, right? So if you want it earlier, maybe we should send it to a ship center or 
you got to hang out and it's going to be there at four. So, you know. Exactly. So there's, and then, if, and then if you think about it and you're looking at it, like 4.30 is a long time to wait. Yeah. Well, if you had actually sent it, expanded overnight, so your package wasn't a priority, they have until 8 o'clock at night to deliver it. Jesus. <laughs> so just like a regular FedEx driver, they've got until 8 p.m. to deliver it to you. So 4.30 doesn't sound so bad when you've got the option of 4.30 or 8 o'clock in the evening. Yeah, that's yeah. not that bad. Jesus. No. Right. Well, one just, of the things I was going to say about that, and that reminded yeah. me. Oh, go ahead, Aaron. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, I just, I was just going to say, I just have you know snakes delivered to my office and just have my father get pissed at me. It's all good, you know. That's <laughs> what I do. <laughs> so, but uh, why don't you go through your spiel now? <laughs> so one of the things that I've got, we've got in the pipeline right now, but which we're working on. So I can't really mm-hmm. say like a whole lot about it. But one of the biggest issues you have when people not being around is the bit the the snake can go, I'm saying snake, but the reptile can go on the vehicle for delivery at like 7 in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning. If it's right. between 8 and 9, most of the time it goes on there. You don't know what time it's going to be there between then onwards until it's delivered. So we're working right. on something right now that, you know, we'll work with the box where FedEx gives you that very broad aspect of where your animal is. We're trying to work out a way to get it so it's real time. Okay. So if you if you looked at your package, this is it, it's a long this is a long process we're going through right now. We're doing a lot of market research to see the viability of it and its new product in the industry in the technology industry. But the idea is, is you to be able to look at your package, and I don't know how close you two live together, but about, about an hour apart. About an hour apart. So you may right. actually be on the same kind of route together. You might have the same kind of driver in that area, so you might actually see your animals actually located near Eric's house. It's on the vehicle for delivery, but you know, okay, he's an hour out. Okay. You can kind of keep an eye on him with, like, a geofence. Like, you can go from, like, a two, uh, like, two, from a two-mile radius to, like, a 2,000-foot radius kind of thing. You can kind of get a little more detailed, especially if you've got those higher-dollar shipments. That's cool. So yeah. that's weird. That's the... That's the big project we're going on right now, trying to figure that out. So that's exciting because there's, it would eliminate lost packages. It would eliminate, you know, you would know where your package is at that moment. So that is cool. That's going to give the idea that if you're if you're available for four thirty, you know, you're going to know that. Oh, I've got until four thirty. Got ages to get here. Then you can actually check it, and you can be like, oh shit, it's around the corner. I, I shouldn't leave the house yeah. yet. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> because once it does, once they once they attempt to deliver it, depending mm. on how good your FedEx driver is, they'll reattempt it within an hour, or they might reattempt it at the end of the day, or they might not reattempt until the next day. Now we beg and we beg and beg for them to reattempt it immediately. As soon as you get hold of your customer, make sure they're home and they're actually doing what they're supposed to do. And so. so- is this, is this for signed packages? It's for signed packages, yeah. But typically, okay. everybody gets signature packages because it's <laughs> it's, a, it's 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 safer for the you know. There's a lot of areas that are quite sketchy. That, yeah. You know, and if you have FedEx drivers that place it at the wrong place, you yeah, know, at the wrong place. Now, I've had that. You know, so yeah, exactly. You've had that, and that's you know, and that's where. 
that signature comes in handy. The only problem is the catch-22 with the signature is if someone's not there, that package goes back on the truck. Yeah. So it really depends on how you feel where you want it. Do you want it sitting on someone's porch all day if they're not there, mm. or do you want it on the truck all day? You know, it's a fine yeah. line of where you want to play. Yeah. Which is why it's ever so important that you say to your customer, you know, it's going to be there at 10.30. Be fucking there. <laughs> you know? I'm sending you I mean, an animal. You need to be I, there. <laughs> I have yeah. never, not, I have never like told somebody to ship me a snake and then it was not there. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you'll be amazed. Uh, so you'll be amazed. Oh my God. Yeah. But you have a lot of people that don't, you have a lot of, it's such an, it's this industry has gone from being such a niche industry to mm. this quite mainstream now with a lot of animals. Right. You know, but the base and even like Petco and Pet Pet Smart, the way they what they offer in the reptile world, you know, they these animals are so much more quote unquote common now as a pet. Not necessarily, right. you know, big coastal carpets or green trees or anything like that, but you know, ball pythons and stuff that it's coming more and more of a common place to actually buy these animals. And I don't think the, the experienced keeper is not the problem. It's the newer keeper that doesn't understand the importance of being there, waiting for that animal. It's so weird. Right. Especially when you've got yeah. you've got these distributors that you know you can go online these days and you add it to your cart and you buy it just like you're buying a pair of shoes. Yeah. Right. Um, I was redoing my website and they were asking me if I wanted to have that option of click it, add to cart, and buy now. And I'm like, no. I want them to have to talk to me. <laughs> it's like they need right. they need to know what they're doing. Like, you know, uh, yeah, you know, it's not a t-shirt. <laughs> right, exactly, <clears throat> exactly. You want to make sure that you vet the person that's getting it or at least they know what they're buying. Yeah. You know, and you know yeah. who you're sending it to. And that's one of those things that it, it's, where it coming, with it coming more mainstream, that it's obviously going to be an issue that our industry is going to face. But at the same time, it's, although there's a lot of animals that are getting mass produced into like PetSmart and Petco you know mm. it's the industry because it's it's driving the industry forward I, when I look back on how I used to keep those turtles it blows my mind that that was like the cutting edge way to do it you know with a freaking 20 <laughs> gallon tank with a light <laughs> off the edge of it you know, plastic it like, uh, palm tree yeah so, exactly right. you know and I remember just having like this slate rock just holding a filter in place so it didn't move and then having the clamp <laughs> light hanging off the side where it literally if I knocked it it probably would have fell in the water and probably yeah. fried my turtles but this was the cutting edge technology at the time for keeping them you know or 20 gallons when people kept chameleons in them and stuff like that oh god you know but we've but you know, with new people becomes new. There's new revenue. This drives the you know the quality of the workmanship you get. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well. So. Double <clears throat> Good and bad. Yeah. yeah. Right. What about packing the actual reptile? Do you recommend a bag or do you recommend a cup? Like, does it matter? Depending, obviously, depending on what you're shipping. But we're talking pythons. What's your thoughts? Yeah. Personally, I like jelly cups for babies. Mm-hmm. More fragile animal. When it's more of a delicate animal, it, it tends to do a little safer in the delicate because it's got like an added security around it. 
it's in a fixed location. The bag, uh-huh. as it gets shifted around, even with your paper, it can mm-hmm. shake the animal about a little bit more and put it into like, you know, awkward positions because it's how the, how the box has been shifted. The paper's shifted to now that... I mean, snakes are a little easier because obviously, I mean, they're escape artists. They can get out of anything. They can move how they want to move. <laughs> so, right. right? So, right. But, um, it's a lot safer for that animal to be in a deli cup. But when you've got bigger animals, the bag is the way to go because it just, you can fill the surface area better. Right, it's right. It's harder sending, you know, I've seen where I've put coastals, like just even, or even just regular carpets that have got a little bit of size in them, but I'm cleaning them out. And I've just stuck them in, a, you know, one of the 10-inch deli cups. I'm like, oh, you can go in there. You can fit in there. There's plenty of space in there. And while I'm cleaning the tubs or the cages out, I turn around and the lid's off and there's this snake just slivering away. I hate that. You know, <laughs> you know it's like, oh, shit. You know, like, uh, like I'm glad I'm home while I'm doing this. Yeah. So, so it really depends on the size. And if you're doing like a big animal and a small animal, you should always, if you're still going to put the big animal in a bag, put the small animal in a deli cup. That structure is going to stop that big bag from literally crushing the smaller animal. Yeah. Right. Well, that makes sense. But they're not going to be able to know that they're on top of each other. You know, there's nowhere for them to go. So with that deli cup, it's going to keep that structure and it's going to keep the other animal from getting on top of it. So. Gotcha. What about as far as uh, cushion inside the box? I use newsprint paper. I actually okay. use mm-hmm. it to line my tubs. I pick out from Uline and it's blank newsprint and it works like a charm. It's the same as using newspaper. I just don't read a newspaper because I'm not <laughs> that old. <laughs> So, <laughs> right. you know, I use technology these days. So I use that newsprint paper. I Shredded newspaper works well, too. You don't ever – I always – I just take that paper and I just screw it up and put it in like a – I'm just in like, like a ball. Yeah. And, the, and you know, multiple ones. Because I always – you want it – I always do like a tip test. So I'll close the box without sealing it, and I'll literally turn the box upside down, and I'll turn it around and turn it on its side just to see how much movement's in there. I always want a little bit of movement because I want the animal to like, not be too tight because that's where you can cause suffocation if it's in a bag and stuff like that. Mm. Right. It's a lot safe. Whereas, you know, if it's in a deli cup, that deli cup can be packed super tight. But obviously, the more void you, the more void you take up with the padding, the safer that animal is. One of the things I always say is, like, you know, make sure you put, like, I always put a bedding of paper on the bottom, almost like a bed, and then mm-hmm. I put the bag or the deli cup on top and then I put more paper on top of that. Right. So as long as I try to, I try to feel like big void and I'll leave little voids in there, which also will create, you know, air pockets so the air can still circulate through. Cause if you fill it up and you solidify it, you've done holes for nothing. Right. You've just, right. Filled, you've just filled the whole box up and where's the air going to go? It's going to hit solid. So right. By having that little voyage, you're going to have a little bit of airflow, but at the same time, the animal's not going to be able to move dangerously. And that's one of the reasons that I remember always talking to FedEx about it. What's why the box is white? The box is white because in FedEx, white means perishable. So in in majority of the big facilities, the bigger mm-hmm. FedEx facilities have two. They have two conveyor systems: one on a higher height and one on a lower height. And the lower height is where the perishables go. So if they, if they fall off that conveyor belt, they're not dropping 10 feet. Do you know what I mean? Oh, right. Okay. Gotcha. Right, I which is why they, always, 
which is why if you look at any reptile shipping box that you can buy in the US, it's white. Whether it's got the red lettering or the green lettering, it's consistently yeah. a white box. That's so. that's so weird because I always had people who have said that they make their own boxes because it's safer when realistically now you've taken a brown box and now it's going up on the higher conveyor belt and you didn't even think about that. So, right. yeah. And you wouldn't know that unless you were talking to FedEx, you know? Yeah. So, right. So there's no, there's no, that was, it was one of the things we've, we've discussed before where cause there's a lot of requirements by the uh, Fish and Wildlife and the IAPA, mm-hmm. which is the International Air Transport Association, where you have to, you know, pass a certain amount of rules and legislation with the, the shipping environment that you've got. So you've got the box of three. So you've got the bag or the deli cup. Then you've got the insulation foam, and then you've got the outside box on top of that. So you've got mm-hmm. three layers before that animal can be near anything. Which wow, is what right. you know, makes it safe for people to handle. You know, because you think about it, A, that snake's got to get out of that bag. Once that bag gets out right. of the bag, it's got to figure out how to get out of that foam. And once it gets out of the foam, it's then got to get out of the, the box. <laughs> so, you know. It's, it's I, don't tough, about you. You know. I don't know about you guys, but I zip tie all my bags closed. That 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 little shithead ain't getting out of anything. <laughs> like, you know, no, no, no. No, you're not getting out. Done. So, um, but uh, I've heard stories of people who attempt to ship animals like monitors um, in a bag, in a styrofoam box through one of the companies and then are shocked when the monitor has clawed its way out of the bag and has put a significant dent in the styrofoam of the box. So, you know, I do know that that's definitely a horror story kind of stuff. And I've had one, I've actually had, I had, because it was a bit of a dilemma for me, this was a while ago, we were actually yeah. shipping a, like a, a good-sized tortoise. Uh-huh. And um, that tortoise was bowing that box <laughs> like nobody's business. <laughs> and it, and in the end, we agreed. The <laughs> yeah. I mean, this box was just, it was just bulging. It was like the box was going to explode. And in the end, we were like, nah, we're going to have to send this Delta. Like, forget this. Like, this is going to burst this box. No problem whatsoever. And I mean, this so was a right. big box. Right. You know, it was our biggest box was like a thirty inch by sixteen inch by ten inch. Yeah. Like it had a lot it had a lot of space, but that tortoise just didn't give a flying fuck. So it was coming out of there. Right. So you would re- <laughs> you would definitely recommend monitors over a certain size, tortoises over a certain weight. Just just do the safer thing and just go delta. Don't try to don't try to yep. slide Definitely it in underneath the radar. Yeah. You know. Even even if you've got a even big snakes, big pythons. Yeah. Because you got that because wood it'll, crates. It'll, it'll break through that. Yeah, wood crates, and I think it's a two-inch screw that you're going to use yeah. for, the, yeah. for the IAPA stuff going through Delta. Now, I've only ever had to help people ship through Delta. I've never right. had to ship through Delta personally because I, I mean, I don't do animals that are dangerous enough. You know, I was shipping chameleons. I mean, how dangerous can they be? I don't know. They bite bite you in the wrong place, man. You could bleed out for, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, but when they're three inches inches long, they can't do a lot of damage. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, they wouldn't be able to push it. They wouldn't be able to open a deli cup, let alone break out of a box. So, 
but they are, yeah, if you were doing a bigger animal like that, I would definitely recommend the airport. It's just safer for the animal, safer for the parties involved. And as long as you're sending it, I mean, as long as you're close enough to an airport that offers Delta Dash, I mean, Delta flies is pretty much everywhere here. You right. Can, you know, and it goes it goes on the cargo, it's pressurized. And I think the I think the the vary of the degree is like fifty five to seventy five kind of thing. Or maybe yeah. slimmer than that. So I mean it's containerized and pressurized. So it's safe for the animal. And the nice thing is too is you know, like me going to Gainesville this weekend for the carpet fest, it was an hour flight. So I knew it was gonna land at this time, it was gonna be here at this time, I was gonna leave it at this time. Right. You know, and if, if you're sending that big animal too, because of dimensional weight, that shit can add up in price real quick. Yeah. Because of how heavy it is. You know, and you don't want, in a heavy box, people can drop heavy things. You know, I don't know if you'd want that 40 pound, you know, 50 pound, even at, you know, even at that size, that irreticulated python dropped on the floor on the concrete. Right. Yeah, no, no. You know. It wouldn't do nothing to it, but you still wouldn't. You still wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. No, no. But I mean, no, it wouldn't be right. So it, you know, it's just safer doing it that way. But for like smaller animals and stuff like that, shipping through the boxes with the delis and the bags, you're completely safe as long as you're taping it. One of the mm. key things that the boxes as well that a lot of people, you see, I've seen a lot of people recently on like FBI, the, the Board of Inquiry and stuff. They receive uh-huh. boxes that are like the, the USPS boxes, the Amazon boxes. Those Amazon boxes and USB-X boxes are so flimsy that right. if one person drops something on it, and that, that's flattened. No matter, you know, whatever's Jesus. in that box is gone. So the 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 boxes with a three-quarter inch insulation frame in it, which mm. is the standard that you would need for shipping the reptiles, is a 275-pound stress test. Oh, Jesus. So, and that, that's like the requirement to ship live animals through FedEx. Now, could you ever get, like, could these people who are potentially not meeting these requirements have animals turned around or have shipments stopped if they found out that these are live animals in, like, an Amazon box? Yeah, FedEx FedEx could stop them. There's very few people that are doing bad shipments like that. I I think that you know, between myself and the other sister company, the other shipping companies, right? We do pretty good at policing those people because we find out pretty quick. Because it's amazing how vocal recipients are, right? Because our name, our names are on the box, whether right? Whether it's a reptile, whether it's a public spread, you know, they're on that box. We get a phone call from that recipient, and they're like, "What the hell? Why did you ship me something like this?" And first of all, we're like, "Huh." I think she right. and then you look yeah. into it, the research, and you're like, "Wait a minute, okay." And then you, and then we can put a stop to it, and we'll liaise with each other, the sister, the shipping companies, because we don't. It's bad for our industry. Right. People shipping yeah, the it thing, it gets shut down. You know, it's it's kind of like the Lacey Act of how important it is that you write what's on the box, what's in the box on the box. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, in in Florida and California have been the only two I've had experience with so far that I've heard about. Like from my customers, but fish and if you haven't written on that box, and fish and wildlife see your package, they will open that box and they will pull that animal out. And they'll look wow. at wow to see what you're shipping, and you know they've got every right to confiscate that animal. They can fine you. They can do whatever they want. 
a lot of times so far, because it's been quite a new process that they've really tried to enforce, they've been putting letters in the box and sealing it back up, saying, U.S. Fish and Wildlife has inspected your package. Oh, like at the airport because, when, like, yeah, you know, uh, TSA has been in your bag, Owen. Have a nice day. <laughs> okay. Cool. Bingo. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I've had people complain. They're like, this animal this animal's in a worse condition because fish and wildlife has opened the box. Now, you can't prove eh. that fish and wildlife caused the animal any concern. Yeah. You, know, you can't prove any of that kind of thing, but... You know, if that was the cause, you could have literally avoided it by saying it's Morelia spilota, perfect python. And you've got to have the scientific name and the common name. Common name? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. They have the, the stickers so, that you slap on the side that tells you it's a – yeah, I usually right. write on them and then put a piece of packing tape over it because I don't want anything getting smudged or drained or whatever. You know, I don't want any reason for my package to not get – where it needs to go as fast as humanly possible. So, you know, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Now, you don't. You can also just write it manually on the box as well. Yeah. So if you felt uncomfortable using it. You know, if you, if you didn't have the sticker available. I know for us, when you purchase the label, you actually enter the information on the computer, what animal that you're doing, you're shipping. And then you, when you print out that label in a PDF format, it actually comes as a little cutout that you cut out and tape on your box. Yes. Which comes in handy for us because when you enter that with a label, a lot of times FedEx asks us, well, what's in the package? We can just pull your label up and say, oh, you know, Eric shipped the carpet pipe on. So, yeah, we need to get this in room temperature because it's too cold outside or too high outside if it's been delayed. Gotcha. So it, it does help. So, because a yeah. lot of times you'll have some people that leave it blank and you're like, I have no idea. I don't know. And you have some people, you know, we, we ship reptile supplies for people too. Because you yeah. can do anything that's reptile related through us, like through home delivery, express, overnight, whatever you want it to do. And I've had things that have been overnight that have been stuck in, say, Memphis, and it doesn't say what they are on the – they've left it blank what the Decatur location is. So I'm calling, panicking, you know, this animal needs to get inside, pull this in, pull this in, da-da-da-da. I'm not sure what the animal is yet. I'm waiting for the customer to call me back. And then I'll get like a text message or a phone call, and they're like, "Yeah, it's light bulbs, dude. Don't worry about it." <laughs> I, like, I just spent oh, 20 right. minutes begging. <laughs> yeah. Well, good news is your light bulbs are in a temperature-controlled environment right now, so they're not going to fire anytime soon. You yeah. know, but th- 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 I love that change because my I-, I had a I had an M Pen Coastal shipped to me from Texas when I was in college, and she was sent FedEx, and she was labeled fragile computer parts because they weren't allowed to send animals and she was treated as fragile computer parts. So when she was delayed, they're like, ah, whatever, we'll deliver her tomorrow. I'm like, but tomorrow's Saturday. Like she's not going to be here on time. So I had to drive all over God's creation to find her at a FedEx facility in New Jersey. It's like, yeah, no, it was the bad time. Yep. 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 Had to drive from, College to Newark, girlfriend was not happy at the time, so you know, dad deal with that. But um, you know, it, it, it. I like it now that everybody knows that it's an animal and they will take care of it according to that. So exactly. I think the other thing is they used to call them nuts, like um, uh, mixed nuts or something like that, because then they're like, <laughs> because it's a food item, people will take care of it. I'm like, but not if it's like an animal, like you know, it's, it's yeah. yeah. 
Right. But exactly. But one of the things you have to remember too is the ant. There's, there's only they they will treat an animal as an animal, but there's only one thing that FedEx and this and this is a lot of times down to sometimes you get a good rep that's so passionate about animals that help you, but yeah. you, but the only thing that they really treat really really delicately are medical. Yeah. Aspects. So I don't know who's shipping like kidneys through FedEx, but. <laughs> Medical supplies are like the most important thing through FedEx. If it's a delay on medical, even if there's snow, like they'll get a, they'll get a courier to it. They'll do all that kind of thing. The animals they'll they'll bring inside. Yeah. Right. So, right. I do want to know who ships kidneys. Yeah. I, you know, I do want to know who ships kidneys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could reroute Re- a couple and then sell them on the black market. There you go. There you go. Gone. <laughs> but I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't know who they were going to. Be we're going to auction one off at Northeast Carbonfest. You know, we're going to North Northeast Carbonfest. We're going to auction off a kidney. You know, make sure everybody's there. I think that should be a personal goal. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm all right. <laughs> Eric, you got Eric. You got two kidneys, right? Yeah, how many I, I, I have two. Yeah. 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 How many do you really need? <laughs> No. So here's a question: Do you guys pick up from the house, or do you is all you have to take it to a FedEx spot? So you can either drop it to a FedEx ship center, which is great. I'm mm-hmm. glad you said that because mm-hmm. first thing first is do not drop your package off at an office. Do not drop it off at a FedEx office. A FedEx right. office is a franchise, whereas a FedEx ship center is corporate. So offices don't have to accept your live animal package. They can refuse it and say, go on your merry way. You want to look, when you look at a FedEx location, you want to look for hold at location and dangerous goods shipping. The animals fall under dangerous goods because it's a live animal. Okay. And even though it's not dangerous, so then the ones that have the hold at location and the dangerous goods shipping, they will accept your package because they know they can ship the animal. Okay. Which is a key thing that a lot of times we get a lot. But you do have some offices that will take your animals. It's their discretion. It's their right to choose. It's privately owned. They can pick whether they want to accept your package or not. So if you do drop it in office, my recommendation is charm everybody and anybody that works there. Right. <laughs> right. Be as nice as you can, and then they'll work with you. But on the pickup aspect, you can actually schedule a pickup online when you create the label. Okay. Okay. Uh, you can. It's it's a five buck charge. It's a flat fee from FedEx directly. So you can actually yeah. uh-huh. schedule that pickup as you create the label. You can only do a pickup twenty four hours in advance. Like you can only do it for the next business day. So I believe you can do it on a Friday for a Monday, but that's like the furthest distance you can do. Okay. When it comes to scheduling a pickup, but they'll come gotcha. to your house and you can schedule the time frame. Typically, you need like a three hour window. Yeah. When you do, if you're doing it for the same day pickup, do your label in the morning and schedule a pickup in the morning for the afternoon. Right. Because you, you you get a lot of people that will do their label at say twelve, and they'll schedule their pickup from eleven in the morning till one in the afternoon. Hmm. Well, it's already twelve now, so the hour's already gone, and then most likely they're not going to be able to come out within that single hour. Gotcha. So you always want to keep that broad apart. I always, I, I'm fortunate enough that obviously I work, I like the cricket farm that does daily shipments. So if I ship anything out, I literally take it to work and I have a FedEx pickup every day. And we even right. have some guys that are based near 
they're near our facility that literally drop their packages in the football FedEx come and drop them off. But if I'm at home, I just get to that pickup for typically, I try to do it around, you know, between three and five. Mm. Uh, between two and five, sorry, because it's a little later in the day because that's when they're like finishing up to go back to the ship centre. Because I don't, okay. I, don't know, I don't, I don't like my stuff sitting around all day, but again, it depends on your schedule. You know, if you've got to get it first thing in the morning, you've got to get it first thing in the morning. Right. You know, and the animals, the animals been packed properly and it's healthy, it'll be fine for those extra couple of hours, depending on the temperatures. But if it's like peak of summer, it's crazy hot or it's crazy cold in the winter, drop it off at a ship centre, it's going to be the safest option you've got. Unless, obviously, you live in the middle of nowhere and it's 100 miles to your ship centre, and I get it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a safety okay. and animal first, always. But the pickups are nice sure. because they're convenient. You just schedule it for where you are. You know, if you decided to ship out from work because you're at work all day, you just schedule a pickup for work. You know, the label can come from your house, but the, the pickup can be at your work. And you I've, just I've done that. And pick up and done it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not that hard. It's it's if you especially do it around like three to five. The guy, uh, uh, my FedEx guy, actually asked me, you know, when he should arrive because sometimes they'll even ask you that kind of stuff. He's like, so when I get the call, you want me to do it on my way back? And I'm like, yeah. So he swings by at around five o'clock ish, right when I'm getting ready to leave. I hand him the box, and you know, he goes over that. So. So you yeah. got one of the good ones. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got, I, I, I like, I like my FedEx guy who drives, and then I like my FedEx guys uh, over at the ship center because they're the kind of guys who are like, "Ooh, cool, what's in the box?" Where I've had like people that make me walk it back and put it on the conveyor belt because they don't want to touch the box that a reptile is in, like you know. So I, I, I'm pretty happy with the guys I got. So. Oh yeah, that's perfect. One hundred percent. Yeah, that's awesome. I know our FedEx driver always comes in, and he'll bring it in. He'll bring it into my office because obviously he comes every day, so he knows us. He'll come in and he'll wait until I open it, until I say, "What you go? What's in it?" And I'll typically say, "It's a python." And he's like, "I'm good. I'll see you later." <laughs> but if it's like a lizard, if it's a lizard going to California, going to Canada or anything like that, he's like, "Yeah, let's have a look. Let's have a look. Yeah. Show me what yeah. it is." You know. I've I've had to tell so many so many uh, people that work the front desk at a FedEx ship center that I'm shipping turtles just because then they'll touch the box. It's like, you know, we're shipping cute, adorable baby turtles. Like everything on the box says Python, but I'm like, baby turtles, please take my box. It's like, you just, just put it over there. So Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. You've got to love baby turtles, right? Yeah, well, you know, the safest bet. Yeah, right. Uh, one of the things, speaking of the FedEx guys, one of the things as well to know is typically a lot of people will actually call FedEx and ask if they ship reptiles. They'll tell you no, right? right. Because it's not. If you look in their their kind of rule book, I guess you would say it says they don't ship live animals. Now we have that negotiation, which is why people ship through our account with FedEx to ship those live animals, and a lot of times if they do ship, they know you can ship animals, a lot of times they'll tell you it's from business to business. We have, There's special waivers in places for the shipping companies like us that you can actually ship from residence to residence. So it's right. one of those things that sometimes it's good to know because you can tell, you can actually school the FedEx a little bit more. You know, you can't ship it because it's not going to business. Actually, 
there's a waiver in place. You can look it up, call the live animal desk or call Reptile Express or whoever you ship with. So right. it's yeah. handy to know. It's little little information that you know a little bit. It's always be the smartest guy in the room, even when you're in FedEx. You know, if you just know that little bit more, they're typically a lot easier to work with. And if they're not easy to work with, typically we can get the right person on the phone to make them easy to work with. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it reminds me a lot because when I first started, I had to send a test box to FedEx that had a rubber snake in it to get approval to ship animals through FedEx. And that approval was never anything you could show up on my account. So I would have to argue a lot. And eventually my, the hub near my house learned who I was and they stopped fighting me. But there were numerous times where I got calls from sorting facilities near the destination who were refusing to allow the box to go any further because they were either didn't want the animal or they didn't want to touch the box or they didn't know that if they were supposed to transport it. So there's, there was a lot of stuff that I had to deal with that now I'm thankful I don't have to because you guys do. So it's exactly. like, yeah, we have the fun of it. Fine. Exactly. But yeah, we, have cool. to, we have to go through the same thing too. We have to go, we have to go through all that with the boxes. We have to send those out. We have to have certain verbiage on it and mm-hmm. crush text and the right insulation and, the thickness of the insulation, because there's some out there that do half inch, and right. you know it's just a little too thin. It's a little too thin. The three quarter inch is a lot safer when it comes to the insulation. And that's actually what FedEx wants. Mm. So, yeah, I remember that. That was a fun test. Going through all that <laughs> stuff. I had to do it recently <laughs> with the Canadian company that opened. So, that's great of fun. I was so and excited ever, about it. Right. It's always mm. funny how they do them. And one of the questions that always comes up, and FYI, if anybody's wondering, the reason that everybody uses FedEx is because UPS does not ship snakes. Oh. So that is a question that comes up daily with new shippers and new customers, and they wonder why I can't use UPS because they like UPS more than FedEx. But it's literally because UPS won't touch snakes, and obviously snakes are such a huge part of this industry. Right. No one's willing to cooperate. Maybe it wow. might happen one day when they realize that the reptile industry is actually good for people. And you're and they're losing money. Yeah. Probably. Probably, yeah. 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 So. Okay. Anything else that you could uh you know you could think of as far as tips or anything like that as far as shipping? Apart from know your time zones, know your ship centers, become friends with your drivers. Don't don't think that you should feed your animal as you put it in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What could ever happen? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. You get a lot of people that will put like, if it's a lizard, they'll put a couple crickets in there. Oh uh, my god. You know, or, you know and. <laughs> You know, or this, they, they fed the snake the night before. You know, wait a good week uh, on the snake if you can. If not, wait at least a few days. Let it pass through its system as much as it can. Because what the problem is, is when it defecates, it, increases, it spikes the humidity level inside the box. And, you know, you're going to cause, apart from the fact that there's you know, literally shit in the box, you know, you've got that bacteria that's going to build in there, that humidity, it's going to ruin the air quality for the animal. You know, right. it's, it's, you're giving it an, you're giving it a quick 101 intense of bad husbandry. 
Yeah. So it's probably one of the key takeaways is, you know, don't feed that shit. You know, when I send stuff to, when I send stuff to, when I send stuff to Canada for people, you know, when it's lizards, they get fed on the, you know, get fed on the Saturday, you know, on the Monday, they're going on the way. Now, I definitely make sure your animals hydrate before you send them. I don't mean give them a bath or anything like that, but make sure they've, you know, they've got full access to water before you ship them. So that's a key thing. But yeah. realistically, knowing your temperatures, knowing the weather, and, oh, and holiday. Let me repeat this on holiday. <laughs> if, if, <laughs> if the holiday is on a Thursday, don't ship on a Tuesday. <laughs> okay. That well, makes yeah. sense. You know. I, just, I, 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 I swear to God. Uh, <laughs> and normally... I mean, I didn't take one for the team on this one. My counterpart, mm. who's Kelly, who I work with, like, all, we share an office. We work all day, every day together. Is mm-hmm. I mean, she was up until, like, this was July 4th week, uh, July 4th, maybe? Oh, my and God. She was, it got stuck. It was a mechanical delay. The plane got stuck. So it got delayed. Well, it managed to get to where it needed to be, and I think it got delivered at like three in the morning by a courier. Oh my god! And yeah, and I don't know how she she took one for the team and worked all night on it with FedEx to make sure it got there in time. But I'm not about that life, so please don't make me about that. Life. <laughs> you know? Like, like I will not save your box. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will. I will do everything I possibly can to save your animal, but I really would appreciate it if you didn't. <laughs> Don't make me do that. <laughs> right. Right. And then it's just so it's just so dangerous. Like you get close to that holiday, unless it's someone. And I mean, and we get it because you know at Christmas time, I need this animal to arrive at this day by this time. You shouldn't ship at this time. I know, but the customer's screaming at me. This is what they want. You know, it's no. a big risk, and I get it. No. <laughs> sometimes the money outweighs the risk, which Ugh. is sad, but at the same time, you know, I understand. You know, each person's situations are different than mine. So, you know, I can't, I'm not going to, I never, I very rarely ever put blackout dates. I literally just tell you not to ship. Like, I'll blackout yeah. everything and say, do not ship, do not ship. But if, right. you, if you're adamant that you need to ship, you, at the end of the day, you know your animals most well. It was the same thing in Christmas. Every time someone called about shipping around Christmas time, it, it, the first thing out of our mouths was, can the animal survive in this weather in two days? If the answer is no, then you shouldn't ship it. Not right. saying it's going to take two days, but if you don't think it's going to make two days in the mail, then don't ship it because it's not worth the, the life of the animal. Now, if you think it is, but you know it, you're comfortable that it's going to be a one day, then by all means take the risk. I can't stop you. You're an adult. You can make your call, but just know that you've been warned. You know what will happen, and it's the same with the weather. You know, if you like, I know you're getting snow this weekend. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, if anybody's shipping, uh, we have a lot of north. You know, north northern customers. You know, don't ship Thursday for Friday because. If it gets delayed on that Friday, that Saturday is going to be a, a nightmare for delivery. Oh, I, ne- I never ship for a Friday arrival because no, <laughs> no, it it you if you want it, it's going to be there by Thursday at the latest. Otherwise, you wait until next week. You know that's right. and 
I've had people that are yelling at me to ship the day before Christmas Eve, and it's like, no go, dude. Like, no, it is not going to – no, just – if you really want it that bad, you can wait. Right. Or yeah. you should have got it earlier before Christmas. Thank you for that. <laughs> right. If it's a snake, it's not going to eat maybe one thing while you're there so yeah. until Christmas time. Yeah. But it's one of those things that, you know, it's just the safety. The, the priority always is the safety of the animal. You know, if there's a storm or a tornado and you're surprised that your package is delayed, like, you really shouldn't be. <laughs> so enough, you know, snow, ice, and tornadoes tend to, you know, ground planes and stuff. You're telling me the FedEx plane will not fly in a tornado to deliver my snake where I need it to go? Maybe. I mean, it depends on, you know, it depends on what side of the tornado you're on. To be fair. That's true. But it might go faster. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Turn direction a lot quicker. But yeah, you know, it's got, and you know, and. You know, we offer insurance like Chicken Reptiles does, and it's not a it's not a cover all insurance. We're both almost identical in our shipping. One of the key things that you need to know about the insurance is, like I said, like if it FedEx has two kinds of service failures: they have a approved service failure, and they have like an act of God service failure. So, if it's an if it's an approved service failure, like they screwed up, then you're covered. But if right. it's an act of God, service failure, you ship during a snowstorm and you're wondering why your animal didn't arrive on time and it perished, that's why. So if FedEx <laughs> right. doesn't cover the shipment, we don't cover the shipment. Right. You know, so it's just, it's just you know, it's, it's one of those realistic things that a lot of times people are so used to insurance like you get with your cell phone. Oh, I dropped it down the drain. I'm going to get a new one. It doesn't work quite like that with the, with the shipping with live animals. But... It's one of those key things I wanted to add. And then, like, the money-back guarantee, the, only, the money-back guarantee only works if it's a pretty failure again and it's late. Right. So with FedEx, I know with, like, Sugar Reptiles, you pay for it with the insurance. We actually, like, we include the money-back guarantee and we charge a fee at the end if we have to dispute your shipment. So. Yeah. Gotcha. It's a, it's a little different, but it's a very similar process. But, you know, it's little things like that. A lot of people think, oh, it's late. Like, like you know, right now, this time of year, it's late. I, you know, the animal's fine, but I want the money back on the shipping. Like, well, it was late because there was literally snow in Wisconsin. Like, you know, you're delivering to Wisconsin. That's why it's late. Right. So FedEx has denied, you know, FedEx have denied it. It's not a, yeah. you know, the money back guarantee isn't regardless of anything. It's got circumstances on it. Gotcha. And I, right. think, cool. I think that covers everything really on the shipping aspect. Know your temperatures, and that's about the key. And then your hubs. I'll um, I'll send over the uh, the codes for the different hubs. It's yeah. Okay. Things cool. To have in hand. You got. You've literally got eight different codes at the beginning of the digits. You know, because uh-huh. you've got you know Fort Worth, Memphis, Indianapolis, New Jersey, Atlanta, Oakland, and LA. And then you've got in-state as well, so which is just a number code. So, that, you know, they, these are good things to know, especially when you're debating whether you want to use a heat pack, depending on what box size you use, what day you ship, all those kind of things. Now, these are 98% accurate. The only reason they'll change the hub instead of where these are saying they're going to go is because of it, cause they, can ex- they can have it there quicker than 
than it would have been previously. Like, say, Indianapolis had a snowstorm, so they redirected it to Memphis so they could get it out quicker. Okay. Makes sense. Cool. Cool. It's little facts like that that you don't know that until, like, FedEx tells you, and then you're like, oh, shit, I better write that down. (laughs) You know? Right. Very cool. We'll base it on that aspect, so... But shipping's easy. It, it seems a lot more nervous than it really is. It's, it's having faith that you've raised a quality animal and you know that you're not shipping in a dangerous part of the year or on a holiday or anything like that. Ship Monday right, through right. Wednesday is typically your safest day. We do mm-hmm. have people, we, off, we actually have Saturday shipping. There is an option to do Saturday delivery because there's some people that literally just can't get the animal other than a Saturday. Because right. there's so few packages that get delivered on a Saturday, there isn't that many delays. So okay. obviously the risk is if you ship Friday to Saturday delivery, if it doesn't make it there Saturday, it's Monday. Right. So That's the be-all, end-all. Yeah, it's the be-all or end-all. But typically if it's getting delivered on a Friday, as long as you're not out in the middle of nowhere, typically if it gets delayed, we can upgrade it to a Saturday delivery just in case. So if it is a delay on a Thursday night shipping and it's when they get there Friday and it's not, a lot of times we can pull the package out and get it upgraded to Saturday delivery for that Saturday instead. So, nice. Which is another piece, another piece of mind thing that it's good for people to know. You know I, sure. I, I, I like I like as many peace of mind things as I can get. <laughs> but yeah, right. uh, Michael, we usually have at the end of the show we have the really tough questions that we want to ask you, um, and that would be. If you could keep any reptile without limitations, whether they be of money or law, what would it be and why? That's easy. The diamond pythons are my favorite species, so I would actually like to work with locality-based diamond pythons. Like, oh. like, I would, like I would actually know exactly where these animals are, you know, taken from, you know, from the parents exactly where their location was. Much like how you saw... Right. With a lot of the locality collier breeds that you have here in the U.S. Nice. So, oh yeah, like like. So you want like, like Gosford diamond pythons? <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> he wants you know, he wants longitude and latitude in front of diamond python. That's what he wants. He wants that so, right. soil know. samples. Well, I, mean, I like it. Look at the yeah. like. Look at look at like. I mean, Darren Whitaker's stuff that you talked about earlier. Like, oh, the yeah, rainforest yeah. diamond integrates. Like holy shit. Like, yeah, so he yeah, knows exactly where that came from, that integrate from. You know, that's awesome to me. Or that inland that was, came up the other day with the rare. Yeah. You know, Nuts. things like that. I don't, I really, I don't know, it's weird. I've got so much muck carpet stuff that I really started to dig, like, locality. I'm not going to sound <laughs> a purist, but, like, having a little bit more detail. Like, I've got a pair of Appertons coming from Derek Roddy, which was about eight months ago that I haven't sent him a label for yet. So, <laughs> like, they're getting size on them. They're getting taken care of, so I'm not too worried. I'm sure he's probably getting a little annoyed at me by now. But, you know, the locality stuff's super cool. And I can see why I can see why people like that locality aspect, you know, how you can actually right. really go into your lineage and your ancestry, and you can see that variety. Like, the Gosford's glow yellow. So, right. Which is yeah. the coolest stuff. That's awesome. So... I guess the next question would be, if you could herp anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? And what would you be hoping to find is where? Realistically, I know everybody says Australia, and yeah, I would like to go down to the, you know, southern Australia and find the diamonds, but 
I would actually, I went to Costa Rica last year. I never really got to go herping. So I'd mm. like to go back there and actually, I only found like the iguanas, which is still very impressive. But I would like to go see like the vipers in Costa Rica or I would like to go to Madagascar and see the chameleons and like the doom rose bowers and like the natural habitat and kind of get ideas for how to refine how to house them. That's awesome. Very cool. That'd be a cool thing to go. Uh, So what's the best way to follow you, get in contact with you, anything like that? Emails, websites? So obviously Reptiles Express, obviously a company I work for with the shipping, which, you know, we can answer any questions on that. We're happy to walk you through. Um, So that would be reptilesexpress.com. But Reptiles is with an S. If you put Reptile Express, that will actually send you to a Canadian company. We are not related. We just have a name that's almost identical. So, for our sister company in Canada, if you're in Canada, is reptilerunner.com. And they, I work with them guys on a daily basis, and they're, they're, they're fantastic people. So, if you're shipping in Canada, they are your guys. But here, the Reptile Express on Instagram, we're Reptile Express, which I really need to pull my finger out of my ass on that and actually start posting <laughs> all that stuff. And it's yeah. pretty poor right now. And um, I've got so many photos from Carbet Fest to post up as well that I need to do. And then you can also call us. It's 404-480-3706, which is the Reptile Express number. You can also find me on Facebook under Michael Arnold or Mike Arnold, one of the two. Or you can follow us on Facebook on Reptile Express as well. So, awesome. Very much. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well... Thanks for coming on and hanging out and uh yeah. Dropping some knowledge on, on. Yeah. Make, making shipping less terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um one oh and I forgot one of the things I did as well is in case mm. there's any new people on on listening that wanna like learn about shipping and do their first shipment, I did a we do thirty five percent of retail standard pricing for the FedEx and I I added a it's like MTR ten for an additional 10% off your first label if you want to. And anybody can use it, even if they ship with us now. Um, so oh. 10% off a first label. So you oh, get cool. 45% off retail. It goes live tomorrow, because I didn't know how late we were going to be on today. So I was like, let me just do it tomorrow. And, Son um, of a bitch, Eric, we have a promo code. <laughs> yeah, you have a cool. promo code. <laughs> I feel like Joe Rogan now. Well, good. I have well, a shit to, uh, to book. Okay, cool. I, I, I feel pretty bad, especially because I kept trying to arrange a fight between Justin and Owen at Northeast Carpet Fest. So I thought, well, I, I mean, better add something in. You know, I... <laughs> I reckon you can take I mean, I, I reckon, but he... Big he guy. I know, You're and... Guy. You're a coastal guy. I know. You know, like, you know. I, I yeah. talk a big game, but I don't want to smack anybody in Eric's backyard, you know. It, wait till wait till it's like, you know, my property again. Then I'll kick somebody's ass. It's my house. You know, you know? You know the funny thing is the funny thing yeah. is, Owen, is that yes. Justin actually looks like a Sasquatch. I know. <laughs> like he looks, yeah. he legitimately I know. looks like a Sasquatch. He's like real tall, hairy dude. Yeah. He's there's yeah. a it, uh, yeah, I know. So, what are you gonna so do? If he, if he gets you, you would be beat up by a Sasquatch. I understand. <laughs> yeah. So now that so it's you can't, on the line. Yeah. Right. You, now, you can't now, lose, man. I can't. There's a lot now, riding. Listen, my oh, pride yeah. is gone. Me 
Uh, hey, my my pride has been taken from me from Carpet Fest many years ago. So you know, <laughs> he's, he's, right. he's already gone. So you just wait until June. You're gonna be right then. <laughs> I already I I already started trying to figure out how we're gonna run this puppy. So we'll see yeah. how this goes. <laughs> uh, very yeah, good. It'll be good fun. Be awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys having a cool. time, and I hope I. I hope I didn't ramble on too much, and actually people learned some stuff from it. But they can reach nah, me. good. Just message me later. Awesome. So. Okay. Cool guys. Cool. All right, well, man. Appreciate it. You have a good I'll one. Right in take, June. Yes, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I might see you in Finley. Might see you in Finley. Well, oh, okay. you might not because it's going to be hard for us to get there. Because I don't think uh, you're talking about March. Yeah. You don't go to March. Yeah, I, I'm not going to March. Eric, are you going to March? I, I was I was on the fence about it. I might. Oh, you. I don't know. A, <laughs> I might. I don't know. Places. Stop going yeah. places. Stop like giving me adequate time to go with. Yeah. <laughs> You've been saving for Australia for what, three years. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> Eric, yeah, like, we're not going. That. And then he's like, right. Yeah, I'm going. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh. Good time. <laughs> I'm waiting on Ola. To reply, yeah. He said if his wife's not coming, I've got a hotel room, so he's going to be mommy that weekend. So I'm waiting to hear back. So, uh, well, there you go. Cool, awesome. cool. All right, bye, man. Take bye. care. All right. See you. See you. All right. Bye. All right. That was cool. I learned a lot of stuff in there. Uh, you know, uh, it, shipping it, is always ship super stressful. It is, and I mean we've we've had that where you know. I'll tell you and Matt that I just dropped off a I dropped off a box yesterday and you know it hasn't updated. I'm pissed off and then like all of a sudden it updates and everything's fine. It's shipping sucks, you know. <laughs> but unless you yeah. only want to sell local, you're gonna have to ship reptiles. And it is they uh, both these places have both the companies ship your reptiles and Reptile Express have you know videos on how to properly pack these animals, how to get all these things going. And like I said, if you should you should try to do everything you can to make sure that your package is not going to be delayed and that the animal arrives happy and healthy. So right. that's on you. Amen. Thank All right. You. So <laughs> next week we have uh, Ben Frame coming on from A and B Reptiles. Um, we're going to be talking carpet pythons, of course. He's uh, somewhat nice. of a local guy, so. Uh, We'll be talking uh, to him next week, so that should be should be cool. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, from the hands of Jeff Frederick, who um, did our new logo. Um, that uh, mm-hmm. is pretty awesome. I'm uh, really digging it. And uh, so, if you want any kind of logo, any kind, you know, I don't know, uh, picture your snake, he's, whatever. He's yeah, he's done so many people that I know's logos for their companies, it's insane at this point. And yeah. Bill has like pencil drawings of his chondros around his yeah. house that Jeff has done. Yeah. So he's extremely Friggin talented. Yeah. yeah. You know. So I'm gonna keep shouting out from the hands of Jeff <laughs> forever. Uh because uh yeah he deserves it. He does some some awesome stuff. And most of the like the carpet fest stuff that you see he does yeah. and like um, some of the other podcasts. Um, so, and, uh, why we're at it, I'm going to give, uh, you know, some of the other podcasts the shout out as well. Um, it's always good. You know, me and Scott, were talking about this in, 
in the Southeast Carpet Fest is that, you know, we're in a time now where there's a bunch of different reptile related podcasts. Obviously there's from the Yeah, I know, right? We're not the not only ones. Yeah. God there's yes. uh from the ground up. Uh that's yep. uh that's um that's a good one, uh definitely. Um then there is the Herpticulture podcast, um, which uh is also uh which is is really good. Um, and Justin also does one, if you're into Chondro specifically, he does the Chondro cast, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, if you, if you dig mm-hmm. Chondros, that's the way to go. Um, and, uh, there's also our sister station, if you will, GTP keeper radio, <laughs> uh, you know, those, those guys are we, uh, good friends. We haven't, of ours annoyed and, them. we haven't annoyed them in a while. We have to do yeah, something know, to right? piss them off later. Yeah. <laughs> um, one that I uh, particularly like a lot, um, which is quite entertaining and is informative, is uh, Reptile and Chill. I just love those guys, man. It's just so, it's just so and, awesome. You know, you know, when we when we make a comment and then like the next day they're like doing reps with pythons and hydrating with beer. I'm like, apparently I can't say anything online. So you know, it's, yes. yeah, they're hilarious. I love those guys. Um. <laughs> Um, uh, then there is, um, if you're into, uh, more of the, uh, science, uh, part of it, then you have, um, the, uh, herpetological highlights. Those guys are awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a lot of cool stuff. Um, sometimes reptile related, but, uh, wildlife cake and cocktails. That's another good one. And then there's this, um, I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. Um, then there's this other one that's uh, somewhat new, um, and it's called. Yeah. Uh, I hope I get this right. It's called Snakes. Wait. Word on the snake vine, and that specific, <laughs> specifically <laughs> deals with yeah, yeah, deals with venomous, venomous stuff. So. So I, I noticed in my feed they have uh, Ray Morgan uh, coming on there, so that that should be a good one to listen to. So yeah, uh, yeah. you know, there's there's some good podcasts out there. Check them out. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Corrales Radio, right. that's the other one. So there yes, go. there you go. Yep. I knew there was one I was forgetting. Um, yeah. But uh, good stuff. Um, all tons of tons and tons of info that you can learn from and people that you can learn from. So check them all out. Um, RealityPythonRadio.com is us. I'm actually working on updating the site, um, switching over sort of like uh, a more um, modern type of look. Um, so uh, stay tuned for that. If you want to get in touch with that, us, our, yeah, yeah <laughs> our email, it's going to be basically the same thing. It's just more of a modern look to it. Uh, our email cool. is info at moreliapythonradio.com. If you, uh, you know, touch with us, you can listen to us on uh, iTunes, uh, whatever podcast is Android, podcast app is Android, uh, Stitcher, all that kind of stuff. So anything, and also on Blog Talk. Um, any of our older episodes, you're going to want to go to Blog Talk. But other than that, we're uh, we're almost up to 400 episodes. We're almost there. Holy Jesus! <laughs> yeah, I think we're. I think this is number 387. Oh so. my God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 400. You know, you know, you can listen to an episode of Morelia Python Radio once a day for a whole year, and there would be an yeah. episode. 
Jesus. Right. You'd have to squeeze in two of them in a couple of days, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, there you go as far as that. As far as myself, ebmorelia.com or ebmorelia.net, either one will take you to the same place. My email is eric at ebmorelia.com. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, et cetera, uh, all ebmorelia. <laughs> That's all I got. All right, cool. You can go to rogue-reptiles.com for me. Check out all the stuff we got going on at Rogue. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. It is my last name, McIntyre, M-C-I-N-T-Y-R-E-O-J. At Instagram, you can also go on Facebook and look up Rogue Reptiles and give us a like over there. Um, as far as shows go, I do have a show coming up on the 23rd of February. It is the Hamburg Reptile Show in Hamburg, Pennsylvania. I'll either be splitting a table with Andrew Llewellyn of DNA Exotics or Matt Minatola of Philly Herpetological. I haven't decided which one of them I will annoy more, but probably Matt. <laughs> so um, we'll go that way. Uh, other than that, that's all we have for everybody tonight. So we'll cool. say thank you all for listening. And we're going to catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night.